106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. What the mainstream media was afraid to tell you about the news this week, this week, while the mainstream media obsessed over President Trump's Independence Day celebration, here are the things that happened that really matter. According to a CNN poll, 58% of Americans oppose free health care for illegal aliens. 57% of Americans oppose abolishing private health insurance. According to a different poll, only 26% of Americans support Medicare for all when they are told it will lead to longer wait times and higher taxes. According to a Marist poll, 81% of Americans, Republicans and Democrats, pro-life and pro-choice, oppose late-term abortion. And yet, Democrats, and in particular the Democrat presidential candidates, are ignoring the majority of people on all of these issues. But did the mainstream media report this to you? Well, aside from the brief announcement of the CNN poll itself, nope, the mainstream media barely mentioned the consequences of this data and the Democrats' contradiction of voters. A bill in the California state legislature would allow biological men who identify as women to be housed in women's prisons. There's no exemption in this bill for biological men who have committed violent sexual crimes against women and now claim to identify as women. Those people would still be allowed to be housed in the women's prison population. And shockingly, only two people spoke out against this in the California state legislature. And yet, did the mainstream media report on how dangerous this is for the vulnerable women in prison who have no means of escape, no means of self-defense from predatory men housed with them? Nope. Neither the mainstream media nor feminists who claim to champion women said a word. Antifa attacks journalist Andy No in Portland, Oregon because No was reporting on Antifa's public counter-protest. Let me repeat. A violent group of domestic terrorists committed a heinous assault on the free press by attacking a journalist for the sin of being a journalist. They beat him so badly he suffered a brain hemorrhage. But did the mainstream media report on the facts? Did the mainstream media, who have spent the past two years claiming that President Trump calling CNN fake news is an assault on the free press, did these same media talking heads decry this actual assault on the free press at the hands of violent left-wing thugs who have been praised before by Democrats? Nope. In fact, only a very few mainstream media pundits, including Jake Tapper and Brian Stelter, condemned this attack. But others at their own network, like Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, and Kamau Bell, have actually praised Antifa and their violence before. The Democrats' Medicare for All plan would force hospitals to close across our country, and here's why. The reimbursement rate for Medicare patients to medical providers and hospitals is 87 to 89 cents on the dollar. That means medical providers lose money on Medicare patients. So if everybody in our nation was forced onto this plan, a Medicare for all plan, at that reimbursement rate, that would mean 80% of hospitals across the U.S. would begin to lose money, which could and inevitably would lead to the closure of many hospitals, particularly rural hospitals that treat lower income Americans. But did the mainstream media report on this? No, no, of course they didn't. The mainstream media doesn't care about the sorry people as long as the Democrats take control of our government. The mainstream media doesn't care to report any of that to you. So we will. People, people.
How's it going today? This is Lou Benninger, and we are on the air here with uh, No Hostages Radio. This is episode number 15, and it is July 13th, and we're glad you're listening to it whenever you get to it. Uh, I couldn't get to this last week, so I carried it over. Some things are time-dated, and we can't get to it. But I thought it was important to uh, revisit this because we just ran out. I usually have more material than I I need. I just operate that way. I'm over-prepared, which is uh, helpful for my anxiety level. Uh, So we're broadcasting out of California. You may be in another state, but you may be facing the same problems we have over here. I think we're just ahead of some of you. And so you may be dealing with things like pensions. We're dealing with CalPERS or the public employee retirement system that is breaking every county and every city and every agency. And And all the leaders are doing the very best they can to deceive the public and to rip them off and to use smoke and mirrors to promote uh, to promote, promote themselves and give the image that everything is just all right while your streets are full of potholes and your weeds grow up in the sidewalks and maintenance is not done on landscaping, and it's just a big mess, right? A lot of the leaders in the community don't even live here. They live elsewhere, and so... Uh, the lo- the average person just trying to pay the bills, keep their kids in school, out of trouble, off drugs, uh, try to just make it in California, don't have time or don't want to take the time to overthrow uh, an impossibly corrupt system that has grown. Uh, my friend Dave Bryan likes to say stomp. snakes while still small stomp snakes while still small because a pet snake although cute can turn out to be the end of your life and what's going on in our country particularly in california i'll speak for california because i know just a little bit more of that than other states is that we are being overrun by government we're not overrun by crime We're overrun by government. I think in Yuba County, we have a government employee for every about 70 or 75 people. It's just totally ridiculous. Recently, Yuba City uh, has been letting people go. They fired their fire chief. They let, I'm not quite sure what Darren Gale's job was uh, recently, but he was sort of second second or third in command of the entire city. They let him go. Uh, I heard the finance directors leaving. Some of these jobs are going to have to be replaced with other people. But the, the, when you look at the salaries that are paid to city and county employees, it's just phenomenal. In fact, I'm going to read you some salaries, new salaries at the state level in California. And they've been getting and did you know they've been this uh, there's a four person commission that is appointed by the government. That's quite a compromise. Right. Or uh complicated situation, uh, not independent. 
they've been given raises every year for the past few years because they just think the the government is so fantastic and they're managing such vast amounts of money. Sometimes, you know, people just give you a raise because you got a big job. You may do a lousy job at it, a lousy uh, approach to it, but you got a big job anyway. So uh, some of these local uh, employees, city and county employees, getting 150, 180, 200, 250, almost $300,000, more than the governor of the state of California. So what happens is when the state looks at all these city and county jobs, they turn around and say, well, our people are, are doing more work and have more important jobs than them, so we should get, give them more money. So there's a California Citizens Compensation Co- Commission, or the CCCC, uh, and it's uh, appoint. These are people that are political appointments. So if you're politically appointed, you might show favoritism uh, to the the folks that appointed you, right? So the current salaries uh, that that we now have. That went into effect in December 3 of 2018. So obviously 2019 is when we really got the impact of those. Let me just rattle them off to you, and I'll, I'll rattle off the new ones. Governor, I'm not going to give you the, the the hundreds of dollars. I'll just give you the thousands. Governor, 201,000. Lieutenant Governor, 151,000. Attorney General, 175,000. Controller, 161,000. Treasurer, the same. Secretary of State, 151000 Superintendent of Public Instruction, 175000 On down the road. And uh, so now we're going to go from 201000 to 209000 for the governor. We're going to go up 6000 6, for the lieutenant governor. We're going to go up, uh, well, we're going to go up about 7000 for the, uh, is it seven? Yes, yeah, seven thousand for the attorney general. Controller is going to go up about six. Anyway, all these different offices are going up six or seven thousand dollars a piece, right? Now that's a lot of money, and you wonder why? Why? Why should they get all this extra money? You remember, it wasn't but a year or two ago they said there wasn't enough money in the treasury to cover the cost of repairing the roads. They lied. Our local representatives of Gallagher and Nielsen said there was ample money in the Treasury, and the Democrats, who have been controlling the legislature uh, for the last 40 or 50 years in California, simply don't want to spend money on uh, transportation, unless it's uh, green transportation or train transportation, right? All that is just a fantastic waste of money. So this commission is made up of four members that chooses these salaries, all of which are appointed by the governor. So the governor appoints them. Do you think they'd be favorable to him, right? Probably not too independent. They, they meet annually to vote on what happens to elected official salaries. Uh, Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association said, California still has the highest paid legislature in the United States. Uh, I don't think I quoted you what the legislative people are getting. Let me see if I can find that here. Uh, Let's see. It talks about the minority floor leader getting $127,000, but he's now going to get, or she, 
Minority Floor Leader 132, Majority Floor Leader 123, Second Ranked Minority Leader 123. And so I think it goes on down here and tells the pay. Uh, one of the compl- complaints of the uh, Howard Jarvis is that the four elected members, you know, you elect members of the Board of Equalization. They cover districts in California. We vote on them. They're now getting $157,000. Now, a lot of people freaked out over that. Why? Why would you think? Well, two years ago, the governor and the legislature stripped the board of equalization of these four individuals, most of most of its powers and duties, and reduced the state board. You know, remember, that's where all the money would flow into taxes, and then it would flow back out. They used to have a, an employee uh, number of 4,800 people. But the legislature came in and said, hey, there's a lot of nepotism here. Nepotism is where you uh, you hire your own family members. And so there's uh, a prohibition against that in the state. It's interesting how there's all these laws and regulations and prohibitions, yet they go ahead and do it. So they found that there were hundreds and hundreds of family members all working together. And so the, the concern is sometimes a family member may be the best pick. And maybe not a problem at all. But what happens is if family members get chosen over other people because they are family members, as opposed to they're the best qualified for the job, that's a problem. So they stripped the board and they took away all its power. So now there's only 400 people working for the State Board of Equalization and four people that run that are overseeing it get one hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars apiece. That's uh, when you add it all up, it's almost $700,000 a year for four individuals to v- vote on policies that 400 people are going to carry out. You wonder where all your money went. So, uh, But the legislators uh, got raises as well, and I'm not sure whether I have that listed down here. Uh, but the fact is, as Howard Jarvis points out, we have the we've we've been running the highest paid legislative uh, folks in uh, in the country. Now here's here's the here's the problem I was alluding to earlier. There are jobs throughout the state of California, like the the top executive of Los Angeles and Alameda counties last year made four hundred and fifty seven thousand and five hundred and one thousand. These are county execs, right? Uh, they they earned four hundred and fifty-seven. One of them, the five hundred and one, the other one. Now that's what they're talking about. Is this incredible bump? Now, one state lawmaker, Ole, we talked about that, but I'm trying to find this other figure that isn't jumping out at me right now. But the mayor of Los Angeles, for instance, gets 248000 That person gets more than the governor of the state of California. Council members for the city of Los Angeles get $190,000 for a council member. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see. So you get an idea of the extraordinary, uh, uh, expensive people that feel like uh, they couldn't be replaced. Now, my my contention is you can replace a lot of these people with other people that are half the cost and, and get the same kind of performance once you vetted them. But the problem is, is a lot of these supervisors 
aren't vetting people properly. Remember when the Sutter County supervisors uh, uh, ended up picking Scott Mitnick, who had just been unanimously canned and accused of lying and a person of lacked integrity by the Thousand Oaks City Council. And they they felt that he out of the the pool of people they were looking at, he was the very best person. Now, how long did he last up here? Did he last two or three years? And he told people up here pretty boldly that the only reason he came to Sutter County, it wasn't to serve the, the county or to make the place a better place or he was loyal or he was really committed here. He came up to clean up a funky resume. He had a polluted resume. So he needed to get a few years behind him where it looked really good. So what did he do? He quit all of a sudden, about a, within the last year, and went down and worked for a finance group. You know, the guy's from Ventura County, right? I can't figure out why he never wants to be with his wife and go down there and be in his own county. But he's always flying up here, right? Fly, 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 fly. So now I thought he'd go back and live with his wife and where his kids were. But instead, he's... Uh, He's over here in Oakland working for some finance company, right? But he lasts there probably a year, and now he's taking a job. I don't know whether you notice this in the, the news or whether the local news here in, in Northern California covered it. Maybe not. He isn't too uh, newsworthy anyway. But he took a job now to run El, the city of El Segundo. If you look up El Segundo, it's a, you'll see beautiful pictures of the Pacific Ocean and the beach. And so that's where he is now. He, you know, he's like a... Uh, he is he is not a long-term employee, let's put it that way, but he makes fantastic money and he has attorneys negotiate for him wherever he goes. When a, when a person sends in their attorney uh, to negotiate for them, that's a bad sign. If I was at, on a board, I'd say that's a bad sign. The guy's not even going to come himself. Now, here's here's what I was looking for. The California legislators, you have one. Uh, you have a couple, actually. You have an assemblyman or a woman, and you have a senator, right? And so they were getting on, a, uh, they were getting 114000 almost $115,000. And, uh, but that's going to go up. And nuisance pay, again, I've mentioned the governor's pay is going to go up to $209,000. It's a long ways from where we used to be, where we had a, uh, people that actually made a living, <laughs> and gave up some of their time and their talents of making a living and went over to uh, serve in the in some sort of capacity of a city council supervisorial spot for a, a county or a state or federal job. They stayed for a, a, few, a few years and then they returned back to whatever they did uh, for the uh, for make a living before. In other words, Politics never became a career. Politics today are so lucrative. Uh, and people do not want to. They they leave it like pulling a, a wisdom tooth, an impacted wisdom tooth out. That's the last thing they ever want to do is leave uh, the government because the cash and the, the gratuities from people uh, is so incredibly great. So uh, let me pop over here and look at something different here. Uh, okay. Um, got it. All right. So uh, let me just share a, a few snippets with you as we're coming towards the end of the first half hour we're on. 
Uh, William Federer, who is uh, he's a writer, he writes a lot of great articles, written some books. He's kind of a historian. He says a call to ban the Confederate flag. You, you remember that? Now, do you, don't you see a similarity between what the Democrats are doing uh, and what ISIS was doing? Remember ISIS? It, it was the radical aspect of the Muslim or, or the nation of Islam, if you want to call it that. And they went through and they said, you know, you Muslims are lukewarm. Jesus said, don't be lukewarm or I'll spew, spew you out of my mouth. Be hot or cold, right? Not in the middle. So ISIS was kind of doing a Jesus thing uh, from the point of view of like, you guys are not hot enough. You guys are not zealous enough. You guys are not radical enough. So if you don't measure up, we're going to slit your throat and blow your mosque up, right? And so what ISIS did is, is it went on a rampage through the Middle East. It went into museums and anywhere that there was any vestige of history. You know, people have tried to show what history was, good, bad, and ugly, right? That's a true look at history. But ISIS and the Democrats and far left in this country want to purge history as if it never happened. And if, and if there's a, a statue of a guy that was a slave owner, then uh, shame on him. Uh, they want to scrub his name from history as if, it, as if it never happened. I would rather know the good, bad, and the ugly so we can learn from it. So Federer says a call to ban the Confederate flag due to its association with slavery is like banning the Democrat Party's donkey and Islam's crescent as both of those institutions, that would be the Democrats and Islam, were involved in the enslavement of Africans. I want you to just think about that. Here we have this Democratic Party running around, self-righteous, claiming how America is all bad and nasty, when they're, they are the very ones that are bad and nasty. They're talking about wanting to, the government to pay reparations to people that had nothing to do with slavery. Neither they didn't, they didn't, uh, they weren't injured by slavery. They were born in the 21st century, for goodness sakes, and they didn't cause slavery. So he says a call to ban the Confederate flag due to its association with slavery is like banning the Democrat Party's donkey, which is their mascot, and the Islam's crescent, as both of those in, are in, uh, were involved in enslavement of the Africans. They weren't occasionally involved. They were the leaders. They were the main players. It wasn't the conservative Republicans, and it wasn't some other religious organization. In fact, there are Islam groups around, if you remember the Boko Haram, remember uh, uh, Michelle Obama was an idiot and thought that she could do a hashtag regarding Save the Girls or something. And remember, they were out abducting all these young young girls and enslaving them for sex, etc. That Boko Haram, right? They were still involved in those. They are black Muslims uh, stealing black children. Hold that thought. So when they start tossing around concepts of racism. So the Confederate flag and the Confederate statues are a part of our history, good, bad, and ugly, whether you like it or not. They may have been had great motives and missed it by a mile. Now, the, the other thing that I noticed is... Uh, Hey, did you hear about the idea with Starbucks? Starbucks is constantly shooting itself in the, in the uh, good business foot. And its latest thing was there were a couple cops having coffee in there. I would think, oh, that's a good thing. 
But one customer complained to Starbucks that she didn't feel or he didn't feel safe in Starbucks because there were actually law enforcement there. That person obviously uh, had a flat spot on the brain. So the Starbucks boss at that particular outlet threw the cops out of the establishments. So I have a great logo. You know, the Starbucks logo is green, kind of circle green with the lady in the middle. And it says Starbucks across the top half of the circle. And then under, underneath it says cop free. I love this thing. I'd like to put on a billboard and put it up in our community. So uh, we're coming to the end of the, the first half hour here today. Again, uh, this is the uh, the program on seven seven thirteen July thirteenth episode fifteen, and we're going to play a clip right now so I can take a, just a short refreshment break called "The Left Ruins Everything" from the Prager Organization. So we'll be right back just in a few minutes, and we will get back to business. about to tell you is true. Almost everything we most treasure, freedom, beauty, reason, the family, economic well-being, and even goodness, is in jeopardy. Who or what poses this threat? The answer is the most powerful ideology of the last hundred years, leftism. Not liberalism, leftism. Or if you prefer, progressivism. Leftism destroys everything it touches. Here are just a few examples. 1. The universities. Perhaps the most obvious example, one that many liberals acknowledge, is the left's near destruction of most universities as places of learning. In the words of Harvard professor Steven Pinker, an atheist and a liberal, because of the left, quote, universities are becoming laughingstocks of intolerance, unquote. At almost every university, and now high schools and even elementary schools, students are taught to shut down, not debate, those who differ with them, and to rely on feelings rather than reason. 2. The arts. Throughout history, the primary purpose of art was to elevate people. Through beauty, artistic excellence, and emotional depth. To the left, the primary purpose of art, sculpture, and music is to shock that's why so much contemporary art is meaningless and involves the scatological, meaning urine and feces. Yes, urine and feces. To give one of countless examples, in 2016, the Guggenheim Museum in New York featured a pure gold working toilet, which visitors were invited to use. The name of the exhibit was America. So one could literally relieve oneself on America. Three, literature. The English department at the University of Pennsylvania replaced the portrait of the greatest English-language writer who ever lived, William Shakespeare, with a picture of a black lesbian poet. Why? Because he was a white European male. Leftist professors have replaced the pursuit of excellence with the pursuit of diversity. 4. Late-night television. In America, late-night television shows were completely apolitical. The hosts believed their role was to entertain viewers and offer them relief and laughter after a difficult day. No longer, you cannot watch late-night television if you just want to be entertained. 
Late Night TV is now Left Night TV. 5. Religion The left has ruined much of mainstream Protestantism and Catholicism and non-Orthodox Judaism, which are now little more than left-wing organizations with religious symbols. In many churches and synagogues, one is more likely to hear the clergy talk about political issues than about any other subject, including even the Bible. 6. Free Speech If there was anything virtually every American considered a bedrock value, it was freedom of speech. Yet the left is destroying even this unique American achievement. Almost half of America's young people say they believe in free speech, but not for hate speech. Yet the whole point of free speech is that it allows people to express any political or social position, including what any one of us considers hate speech. And hate speech now means any position the left differs with. 7. Race America has become the least racist multiracial society in world history. On a daily basis, Americans of every race and ethnicity get along superbly. But the left constantly poisons young minds with angry diatribes about systemic racism, microaggressions, and white privilege. 8. The Boy Scouts The left is destroying the Boy Scouts. They're not even the Boy Scouts anymore, they're just the Scouts. The left forced them to admit girls. Here's the thing about the left. It only destroys. It doesn't build. The Boy Scouts have helped shape tens of millions of boys into independent, strong, good men. So where's the left-wing version of the Boy Scouts? It doesn't exist. There is none. 9. Male-Female In some ways, scariest of all, the left is committed to ending male and female as distinct categories. Children are increasingly raised not to think of themselves as a boy or a girl. Teachers are told not to refer to their students as boys or girls, just students. In New York City, parents do not have to check off male or female on their newborn's birth certificate. They can check off X. All this imposed gender confusion can only end up producing confused people and a confused society. So why does the left engage in so much destruction? Because it thinks America is essentially a bad country. But America is only bad compared to utopia. And the left is utopian. Crazy. I'm Dennis Prager. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy. Crazy for feeling so blue I knew you'd love me as long as you wanted All right, we're back now. Okay, so I was talking about Starbucks, the, the logo being uh, somebody did this. They called the new Starbucks logo, some cartoonist. Uh, I think it's called Ramirez Tunes, some guy named Ramirez. And uh, Michael Ramirez, in fact, it's Michael Ramirez, michaelpramirez.com. You can go to his website and see if he's got other cool stuff. But michaelpramirez.com, he created a new Starbucks logo that I, I would love to 
put this on a billboard and plastered all over in it. This lady, uh, the lady in the middle of Starbucks logo, the green logo, she's got her hands straight up. You remember that? Uh, hands raised, right? Don't shoot. So it shows a, a lady with hands straight up and then a hand sticking and a gun pointing at her like she's, she's under arrest. She's going to get shot. So it says Starbucks across the top, and then it says cop free. So they're purging the cops from Starbucks. Like, in fact, right across the street from where I live in Marysville, California, we have a, a one of the nicer Starbucks in the area. It's, it's one of the bigger Starbucks in the area, and it's very, very busy. You know, just it, it's just interesting how a particular location will just gather lots of people and it's very successful location it's a nice place and i go in there occasionally if somebody wants to meet me there but generally i don't choose to spend my money at starbucks i'm not going to rant and rave against them my feeling is there's room enough in american society for people of all beliefs all faiths run businesses gay businesses heterosexual businesses businesses run by people like to screw donkeys all those people, they can all have their business. And then you don't have to boycott or uh, what I mean, stand out front picket or throw rocks through the window or steal from them. You can just simply like right now, I have a routine in life and I and I usually buy from certain places. I get my clothes cleaned over here. I get groceries over here. I get this over here. A lot of it is just convenience and it's about the good, you know, it's decent price, but it's convenience and you get in kind of a routine, right? So I so the the people that I don't do business with they they lose they lose lose money uh lose Lou Benninger's money uh because I'm spending it somewhere else right and that's the way that's the way life goes is you can choose when you choose in other words you're just not voting every 2 or 4 years you're voting on all kinds of things every time you make a choice you, you choose to put your kid in this school over here versus this school over here. You choose to uh, buy pants over here for your child versus pants over here. You cho- choose to go to this movie theater versus that movie theater because, because, because. And, uh, you know, you're just making thousands of choices every week. I, I choose to not go to Starbucks if I have a choice, right? If somebody wants to meet me there, I'm not going to say, I don't do business with Starbucks. I just say, hey, I'm not going to voluntarily go out of my way to buy from Starbucks. Uh, If somebody gives me a gift card there, I'm not going to throw it in the garbage. I'm going to use it, right? I'm going to use it up. But but I'm not going to go over the edge on the thing. So I think it's interesting, though, when Starbucks is... It's one thing if if the leaders believe a certain thing, but then they, they start to push their business on on their uh, patrons, the people that patronage their store. And I, it's up to them. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. If that's the way they want to do business. Hey, I love that about our country. I like the fact that they're free to do that. Stretch your stuff. If you want to, if you want to flush the cops out of there, uh, you're also flushing Lou out of there, right? Uh, that's just the way that is. I particularly like law enforcement. Uh I like different institutions in society that that do a wonderful things for society. Police and fire are one of them, right? So if a business says we hate cops, that would be a business that's not going to get any of my money uh, as opposed to the coffee shop down the street 
that wants to be kind to them and say, thank you very much, right? Which is what I tell them. And the guy, first thing, next thing you'll know, they'll be anti-military and they won't, they'll be saying nasty stuff to our folks that are showing up in camo from out at Beale Air Force Base. That ain't cool with me. So uh, I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I think it's important to point out uh, that, you know, I what would be wrong with a Starbucks person educating their their customers that saying, I don't feel safe in here, just saying, you know, you I say, you know, honey, you are safe in here. And everybody is welcome at Starbucks, right? Homosexuals, heterosexuals, either or a little bit, a little bit in the morning. I'm a homosexual in the afternoon. I'm a heterosexual. Some days I'm feeling feminine. Some days I'm feeling not. Some days I'm feeling like I'm going to do a donkey, right? Everybody's at little kids, big kids, dead people. You can even park a casket in there and see if they want to do some business, see if somebody can raise them from the dead. You know, everybody's welcome at Starbucks. What's wrong with that? But now we got to a deal where certain people aren't welcome at Starbucks. Now, I wonder if Sarah Huckabee Sanders walked into Starbucks, whether she would be welcome like she wasn't welcome at the Red Hen back there back east. And they ran her off. They said, we don't like Trump people. They are haters. They are, you know, it's interesting to me. People that are showing hate are accusing other people that they're hating of hating. It's just like, you know, something people. Have you noticed? It seems like the United States has lost its mind. There's a spirit of chaos and stupidity on this country right now. So uh, this is another thing that just blew my mind. And and I, I'm all for it. Like uh, in one sense. So Colin Kaepernick, uh, he remember he, he tried to be a good 49er, right? And he he did had a couple high points in his career. Then he went down and then he made a career. He's made it a career off being a charlatan, a slavery charlatan. Right. And so recently, since he's the spokesperson of Nike, I get a kick out of this. Nike is like, oh, yeah, we're all against slavery and exploitation. Yet when I go to Vietnam, one of the girls that I put into school over there to be a nurse, she, when I found her, uh, I, well, I didn't find her doing this, but I found her as a youngster. She's going to high school. And then when she got out of high school, she needed to get a job because she didn't have money to go to college. And so she went to work in a shoe factory like Nike. May have, it may have been a Nike factory. You know how much she made? 80 cents an hour. So over here, they're paying old uh, capper prick. Uh, bajillions of dollars what what are you doing he's adding his name of anti-exploitation racism yet my little my little vietnamese friend over there who's working her rear off trying to stay keep her nose above water she is making about 140 dollars a month when i found her until i pulled her out of that now it's interesting how in he's uh, i'm not saying they should go pay pay him ten dollars an hour over there that's a lot of money in vietnam and it uh you know, you can you can get labor a lot cheaper there. But uh, but it's just interesting on the the way they talk over here. They got one set of rules over here and they got one set of rules when they cross the salt, salt and sea. Uh, so then they capper uh, prick. He calls up Nike and says, hey, 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 did you see those? Uh, by the way, do you see those new Nike shoes? I thought they were kind of cool. They had the I like the Betsy Ross flag, right? The 13 stripes, the 13 stars. I thought very cool, right? In fact, I wish I had a T-shirt that had that on it. I'd wear that every day. 
I, I like fl flag shirts and stuff like that. So anyway, because that flag, he says the flag was associated with slavery. The flag was just a flag of the United States of America. So are you going to are you going to attack and demolish everything that had to do with that time in American history? What about the Declaration of Independence? You want to trash that because even though it has good ideas in it, there were there were people involved in slavery that even signed it. So it's interesting. Betsy Ross, who is Betsy? Well, we knew we know she uh, she knew how to sew. Right. That's cool. Most women, I think, knew how to sew back in the day. Uh, like I was telling somebody yesterday, the Hmong people in Vietnam, <laughs> I was telling them how that the Hmong women sew their own clothes and make their own fabric. Hold that thought. Make and dye their own fabric. They do not have a fabric shop. And uh, so they all need to be able to see to read. And I, I haul over hundreds of these cheater glasses you can buy for a dollar a piece. And uh, I give them away over there because the ladies and other people, some can't see to read, but these ladies can't see to do their, their sewing and embroidery and stuff, the Hmong people. So anyway, Betsy Ross, who, who was she? She was a Quaker. So in America during the 16, early 1600s, different religious groups came here. Most of them were Christian religious groups. Quakers was one group. Now, what did the Quakers believe? You know, a lot of people, there were the, remember the Puritans and the Quakers and all the liberals today that they want to screw every knothole they can find. Uh, they, uh, they, just, they just mock Puritans and mock Quakers, and they mock any of these religious groups they can. And so Betsy Ross was a Quaker. Now, what did the Quakers believe? They were actually were against slavery. Isn't that odd that here Colin Kaepernick, uh, would would actually be against Betsy Ross, who was actually anti-slavery when it actually cost you something. Do you know the Tappan brothers, who were big businessmen, uh, Lewis and Arthur Tappan. Last week, I couldn't remember Lewis's name. Lewis and Arthur Tappan, they were big businessmen. In fact, they started a group, uh, one of their businesses, where they started a credit organization called Dunn and Bradstreet. And anyway, the Tappan brothers were uh, abolitionists. They were against slavery, and they participated in helping slaves get free. And, and their homes got burnt down, and they, their people boycotted their businesses. Different than Capriprick, when he gets, like, paid to run around and shoot his mouth off, he doesn't, he's so stupid, he doesn't even know his history. Uh, maybe that's, maybe he, all he learned in school was how to play, uh, you know, he learned the football moves, the football plays, but he didn't learn anything about anything else. Like, I think he even is married to a Muslim who I think he is. I think he converted to Islam, but he never complains about Islam holding slaves today. Don't Did you ever hear him say that? I didn't hear him either. So Betsy Ross was a Quaker. Quakers were anti-slavery. Quakers helped, uh, you know, William Wilberforce was a Christian in the parliament and fought for 25 years in in England to stop slavery there. Did you know that? And the Quakers helped ban slavery in England before they came on over here. They were working at it there and they worked at it here. So that just because we had slavery in America does not mean everybody was on board. In fact, most people were not on board with slavery. And I'll, I'll cover some more details possibly later. So 
Quakers were vital to the American Underground Railroad. Now, does Capper Prick know that? That the Quakers were actually part of the system to move people in a secretive fashion and get them out of this country or at least to the north. Get that so they freed the slaves, right? So objecting to the Betsy Ross flag because it represents slavery shows a complete idiocy about history because in her mind, she was celebrating the freedoms that America had. Was freedom, was America perfect? Look at America today. It's a damn mess, America today. But we celebrated the other day, we celebrated the 4th of July, and we celebrated the positive things, the freedoms we have in America. In fact, somebody just, oh, the, the crew that just went to Cuba, they told me it was the worst country, and they weren't putting the country down. They just said that it was the most difficult country to work in because they just couldn't find the resources they needed to put up the building. They weren't that they said the people were lovely. They were treated well. They made it through immigration very easily, everything. And that they weren't harassed. It was just they there was nothing there. It was a socialist country for all you lovers of socialism out there. Cuba is going the way of Venezuela. This is the first team that we ever had to take our own food with us. Oh, man. So uh, there are some issues in America, but there always have been. In fact, we got issues right now where some of the most powerful people in, in this country and many supporters of Colin Kaepernick uh, that are uh, perverts. And and they are involved in not sex, not not regular slavery, but but sexually trafficking little girls. Did you you've been following the Epstein thing with Epstein's little island? And you wonder how a math teacher, the guy was once a school math teacher, made so much money. People say, oh, he made it in the stock market. He was an investment guy. He had his own company. But maybe people paid him to have sex, not with young girls, with children, people, children. Right. Boys and girls. That would be the Clintons in that group. You know, you think, oh, Bill, oh, Bill, he's just always a horny old dude, just molesting women. No, 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 no. These people are weirdo, man. They're kinky. They're twisted. They're gnarly. Uh, That this whole Clinton, her whole entourage, they're weirdo. What you remember uh, her her, like secondhand girl married a. uh, what is, I don't know what you call people that mail, mail, uh, mail uh, send emails or texts or whatever with pictures of their junk around, say, sexual stuff. Now, that's a special person there. Is that what we have special ed for? That's a special person there. Wiener, remember? How, how can you—what's the coincidence of a guy named Wiener wanting to send pictures of his wiener all over? There's a guy down here in Sacramento, Scott Wiener. He does some weird stuff. He's always voting on weird stuff, passing really— twisted stuff down here in Sacramento. I don't know. There's some of maybe these Wiener, the Wiener family, the Wiener heritage in the United States, they need to change their name. But but that whole Clinton deal is such a twisted group of people, right? We're talking about sex with little kids. Does that even have an impact out there anymore? I don't know. It has an impact on me. But I think we're losing the impact it makes a difference if you follow the moral code of like the Quakers or the Puritans instead of putting them down, and then you want to follow the uh, the morality of a alley cat like 
Cap, Cap the Prick. I call him Cap the Prick. And who marries, uh, now is an Islam dude, and yet doesn't have anything to say about Islam. M- mutilate, mutilating women, slitting the throats of homosexuals, having sex with animals when they don't have any women around, when they're out there fighting. Just, they just send out the little jars of Vaseline to the boys, tell them, hey, they give them a little fatwa, a little cross on the chest, they, but we're good with you. The Pope, the Pope of Islam says, you know, this, this is, you know, we'll just like look the other way on this deal. Take care of yourself out there, boys. Oh, uh, yeah, this is, you know, listen, people, there's some screwball stuff going out there. And to, to make a, now here's my feeling about the Betsy Ross flag. I'm all for old Kappa prick, uh, rant, ranting and raving. It's a free country. I like that kind of stuff. I like the drama. I think he's an idiot. Uh, and my feeling is if Nike wants to spend bazillion dollars giving it to him and, and let him call the shots on tennis shoes, go for it. Because all of us have a right to, right? It isn't so communist where they tell us we got to buy those shoes. Right now, we got lots, we can buy whatever shoes we want. And right now, there are companies. In fact, I have it somewhere here. Darn it. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. So there are companies right now that are selling what I used to call, it's a Converse-style shoe. And that sucker man has a Betsy Ross flag plastered all over the side of that dude. And uh, let me see where it is here. Betsy Ross sneakers. Betsy Ross sneakers. Come on, man. They're like wild-looking sneakers. I had a picture of them on here and everything. And... Uh, they are average. So it's a great opportunity. Uh, so the title of this article, forget Nike. This company's flag support can't be wavered. Betsy Ross sneakers on sale with proceeds to benefit veterans charity. So uh, it's called print, print, printed kicks. And uh, is, it's a it's a pro Trump, pro police, pro military company. So it should come as no shock that they felt pretty opinionated about the Betsy Ross sneakers being removed so close to the 4th of July. So the guy says, I spoke to Printed Kicks, all one word, CEO, and found uh, at length about the issue since Printed Kicks already sells really cool Trump sneakers. There's Trump sneakers. You can buy the Converse with Trump across the side. And you can get the uh, Betsy Ross sneakers. And here's the cool thing. Uh, but it says, unlike the company's mass-producing shoes in China for huge profits off hardworking conservatives, he said, this writer says, I've been promised that 100%, not a single penny less of the profit that printed kicks, printed kicks, K-I-C-K-S, makes off the sale of these stylish Betsy Ross sneakers, will go to support a charity that helps veterans suffering from PTSD. In summarizing his remarks, the CEO stated that while he realizes there is a demand for Betsy Ross flag sneakers and that he is proud his company prints and broiders his products in the USA, he wanted his company to give back to the, uh, to the country that has given it so much. So the sneakers... If you've ever seen the high-top Converse, remember the black Converse, black and white? Up where the ankle is, that's where the stars go around in a circle. And the whole side of the shoe on both sides are the stripe. So it looks like the whole shoe is a flag, in a sense, on both sides. They're very cool-looking. And uh, Lou, they sell for $69.99. And uh, if you just Google, Google printed kicks, 
uh, I think you're going to get there, and you can order them online. Then they have Trump tennis that has Trump, same. They have a little black down at the, these are full, like the Converse uh, style, high top. Trump in a sweeping letters uh, from bottom corner to top corner, and then stars and stripes on either side of the Trump. So you can get the Trump sneakers, or you can get the Betsy Ross sneakers, and uh, printed kicks. That's where you've been. And, hey, why why fight Nike? When I go to the store, I'm conscious. When I walk in to buy a pair of shoes and I look for shoes, I just skip over Nike. I don't have any hard feelings. I'm not staying up at night. I don't have any acid indigestion. I don't have bad dreams about Nike. I don't have – Capra Prick does not keep me awake at night. It's a big world out there, people. Just let it go. But if you're going to buy some cool sneakers and you want to go to a party and you're all decked out in your nice suits, throw some of them Converse on with Betsy Roche on them and just strut your stuff, baby. All right, we're going to take a break. And I'm going to, uh, this is so apropos. Uh, There's a little Stars and Stripes song by Remy. And then we're going to play you, Why Should We Privatize the Postal Service? Hold that thought, maybe. So we'll be right back. I'm going to just cool my jets here. Be right back. Ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe. If I don't know by now. Ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe. Well, if you ask me where I come from, here's what I tell everyone. It's a place that is even more free than Jameis Winston's groceries. It's where the stars and stripes and the eagle fly. Start the business of your dreams If you pay all of the license fee I'm literally helping a guy buy a futon Your kids can go sell lemon juice Yeah, if their license forms have been approved That guy's panhandling With the stars and stripes And the eagle fly There's a lady that stands in a harbor For what we believe Overlooking a guy getting arrested for helping sightseeing. It's illegal to show somebody around. You can pull yourself from poverty. All you need's a bit of elbow grease. And 1,200 hours of training, 20 grand. It's hair braiding. And a permission slip from Uncle Sam. Unbelievable. We're the stars and stripes. And the eagle flies. The stars and stripes and the eagle fly. You tell me. Hello, I'm probably Andrew Heaton, and you're eagerly watching Mostly Weekly, the post office. The answer to the burning question how can we make emails slower, more expensive, and stressful? Nobody likes the post office, including and especially the people who work there. At this point, the Postal Service is basically a costly way to deliver junk mail. The mail is getting slower, while email, Facebook, and sexting keep increasing in speed and efficiency, making the post office less and less relevant. It's time to update the Postal Service. And the best way to do it? 
privatize it. Goodbye, letter. You're private now. Why should we? Well, for one thing, it's hemorrhaging money. Last year, it ran a deficit of nearly $6 billion, and it's been running at a loss for 10 solid years. Since 2007, the post office has lost over $50 billion. That's over 133 billion Catherine Mangue Ward commemorative stamps. The reason it can operate with deficits that large is because the federal government provides a huge line of credit to keep it afloat, which it desperately needs, because the Postal Service has $70 billion worth of unfunded liabilities for its retirees. And you know who will wind up covering that expense? The Postal Service is half government agency and half corporation, combining all of the efficiency of a government agency with the cuddliness of a large corporation. And even though it loses billions of dollars every year, it can't go out of business because it's not really a business. What it really is, is a monopoly. It is literally illegal for anyone except the Postal Service to deliver letters. The exception is extremely urgent letters, which is the only reason companies like FedEx and UPS are allowed to exist at all. If not for the post office monopoly, they could deliver non-urgent letters like birthday cards, ransom notes, and packets of sea monkeys, just like the Postal Service does. Incidentally, catalogs and junk mail are most of what the Postal Service delivers, not letters. Less than 5% of mail is personal correspondence. Half of all mail is just advertisements nobody wants. That makes the Postal Service a $70 billion spam folder. The only really important thing the Postal Service still takes care of is bills. But I have a feeling people I owe money to will still figure out how to get those bills to me with or without stamps. Damn it! The post office uses revenues from its monopoly mail services to subsidize their express and package delivery services because they lose money on those services. Why? Competition does it better. For example, I can get a package and then order it on Amazon Instant. But whenever the Postal Service tries to find ways to save money, like by scrapping Saturday mail delivery or shutting down inefficient rural offices or automating, their 535 micromanagers in Congress freak out and order them not to. There are 31,000 post offices in America. That's more than all Starbucks and McDonald's combined. And most of them lose money. Maybe that's why they lost $5.6 billion last year. That's why I say privatize the Postal Service. Make the Postal Service compete, but also give it the freedom to be innovative without some crusty senator ordering it around. Other countries have already privatized their postal services in one form or another. The United Kingdom, Sweden, the Netherlands, Germany, Japan, and that place with hobbits. Now we use email instantaneously and cheaply. We don't send letters. We use Facebook or WhatsApp or Grindr. I mean Tinder. I meant everyone heard me say Tinder. It was Tinder. The fact of the matter is, times have changed and keep changing. It's time for the post office to catch up and modernize. If you love something, privatize it. Go on, letter, get out of here. I never liked you anyway. Go on, you're better off without me. No matter how painful. If it comes back, that's beautiful. If it goes out of business, well, maybe it was never meant to be. Oh, beautiful,
Well, here we go. Um, so much today of, of liberalism is the appearance of righteousness, but really they never get down into the trenches and fix stuff, right? Because they're dealing with the heart of man, it's like a guy can be standing up on the outside and sitting down on the inside. And uh, so there needs to be a heart change, the Bible says. The Bible says that God, if you really want some help, he will take the stony heart out of you and give you a heart of flesh that's sensitive. And he'll clean up an old wicked heart, which we all have one, and he'll give us a, a heart that's, say, white as snow. And... Uh, so there's so much posturing and trash talk that's going on today as if people, when they talk, it's like I noticed when I when I went to work for Glad Tidings, they said, Lou, get, a, get us involved in the community. Let's make a difference. And I, I used to go to government meetings because I wanted to learn what was going on with the government so we could be compliment the government, right? Help. But I realized that most of what the government does is just talk about stuff. They never actually, rarely do they ever get any wood on the ball on social issues. Now, if you say, let's pave that road, yeah. Paint that building, yep. Put up that flagpole, yep. Uh, hire those people, yep. But in terms of changing society or adopting a philosophy and employing that philosophy or enforcing laws, they're really weak at it. So they do a lot of talking in these meetings, and they talk, 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 talk. I was on this child death review teams for years, and I was on gang task force teams. I was on all kinds of stuff, and child welfare reform teams at the state level. And you just feel like at the end of the whole thing, after you spend a million dollars, you just think, what the hell was I even spending my time here for? It's just a big—did I even— it's just, you know, you just have one. When today's gone, that's gone. You don't get back. To, can I do a do-over on on Wednesday? Uh, no, you can't. Wednesday the 10th, it's gone, gone, gone. So I read this. I thought it was good. Two ways to make a slave. Work him without pay or pay him without work. Now, I know some of you, it's going to take a while for you to, that to sink in because you just don't get it. There's two ways to make a slave. Now, the Democrats are good at both ways. They're experts at both ways. Two ways to make a slave, work him without pay or pay him without work. Now, conservatives do not agree with either of those. Democrats, that, that is their DNA right there. Working without pay or paying without work. Uh, Nike removes a flag. See, it's all about perception. Nike removes a flag because of its link to slavery, but has no problem using slave labor to make its shoes. You see that? They, they're not. See, <clears throat> this all comes back to a, a crappy school system. When a school system indoctrinates kids but really doesn't help to teach kids how to think critically, uh, kids can't think below the surface. They just can't think below the surface, and they can't solve things. They just, you give it to them, and they give it back to you. That's all, that's all you can do. That's all they can do. They're crippled. They're mentally crippled. I just wrote an article about it. It's in the Territorial Dispatch. 
uh, I call it mentally retarded. Some people say, oh, you can't say that. No, I can still say that in the United States. People are mentally retarded. When they don't know where they came from, they don't know what they're doing, and they don't know where they're going, they're lost, or another way to say it, they're mentally retarded. They're physically fine. They may be able to speak, read, and write, but they're mentally retarded. They're broken people intellectually, and it doesn't matter. Uh, so you think, oh, why is he on SSI, or why is he on government assistance? He's mentally retarded. He can't figure out how to, he can't find his butt with both hands. He's just confused. He keeps, he keeps grabbing the other side of the body. He's just a confused dude. That's the way it is. That's what liberalism uh, gives you. Uh, so I, I didn't get this, or maybe, maybe I did and I just threw it in the garbage didn't open it, but maybe a guy that donates to James Gallagher, the assemblyman, got maybe... Uh, Maybe he got it because he's a donor. But he sent it to me. He says, we're number one. This is what it says. James Gallagher, the assemblyman for Yuba Sutter County. We're up here in Northern California. If you're listening for the first time, we're broadcasting out of the, what we hope is the state of Jefferson up here in the rural area. We don't. It's not that we don't like people in Los Angeles. We don't want to be like them, right? It's not that we don't like them. We love them. We just don't want to be like them. So we want to have our own way up here. And, and make our own rules. And we don't want to have to be following rules made by a guy that was uh, born and bred in L.A., right? So uh, we're up here, and James Gallagher is our assemblyman. He says, we're number one in gas taxes. He wrote this. Thanks to the majority party, that's the liberals, latest gas tax increase. California filling up their tanks today are noticing some extra great pain at the pump. Thank you for reminding me, James. With this six cent uh, per gallon increase, our state is now home to the highest gas taxes in the country. You'd expect that with all the extra tax revenue, Californians would be driving on some of the fanciest roads. I answered. I, I'm embellishing this a little bit because I can talk better than he can write. The fanciest roads in America. Well, you'd be wrong. The American Society of Civil Engineers gave t California roads a D. On its most now, a lot of you in the public school system are used to getting D's, and then your then your teachers to boost your self esteem tell you how good you did instead of how crappy you did. So our roads get a D on its most recent infrastructure report card. The Transportation for America group called California roads the second worst in the country. Weeks ago, Assembly Republicans called for a one year delay on the tax increase. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. Not a single Democrat supported the, the proposal. Uh, instead, they doubled down on a regressive tax that's not delivering results. Now, listen, taxes are regressive. Did you know that? So regressive means we're going backwards, folks. Do you feel like we're drifting backwards? Um, anyway, that's that. All right. So uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is there's all these moves to try to do social engineering, right? Social engineering. That means change the way society functions. Make laws to make you a criminal when you used to be law-abiding. You're the same guy. One day you're law-abiding, everybody loves you. Next day you're a criminal. One day you love everybody, and next day you're a racist. Just because they changed the rules, Right. And so uh, there's this D Detroit Music Festival, youth, youth Music Festival, 
And uh, so they thought, I love this stuff. I love this when I read it. They thought, hey, uh, since whites are all racist and uh, they've all these people today, they act like I've lived for 300 years and I had slaves and everything. So these whites and blacks, they act like whites are the racist, whereas really the blacks are the racist, right? The blacks are the racist today. I have never used the term my own people thinking white people. I say if I'm going to say something like our people, I'm talking about people that are citizens of the United States of, of America. I'm talking about Americans, right? Our, my people, our people. Like when I'm in Vietnam and I referred to Americans and I say the people in America or my people or our people, I'm not referring to an ethnic group. But you notice these ethnic, some of these ethnic groups do. Okay, so this Detroit Youth Music Festival, they decided they're going to have tickets for $10 for everybody but white folks. If you're a white folk, that means you're going to pay twice. You're going to pay $20 uh, for the same festival, right? Uh, so it's created a little stir, right? Now, to me... You know, people, ah, you know, if what if whites did this? We're going to have a, you know, if I get a group to play out here at the uh, amphitheater in Yuba County, I can't even remember what they call that thing. Now they keep changing the name, but it's the amphitheater. It's a professional venue for, they just had Santana and the Doobie Brothers out there. If I filled up the 17,000 seats and I said, hey, white people are going to pay $10 a piece, but any other ethnic group, anybody's got any color in their skin, even if you got one drop, you're going to pay 20. I'm telling you, people would be filing lawsuits. They would be filing an injunction against the festival. They would be not wanting to deliver porta potties out there. They some people would refuse to sell a hot dog. Uh, they would they would pee on the hot dog and sell it to you. I mean, you know, there'd be some gnarly reactions. But here they can get away with this, right? They're going to actually these people with a straight face are saying ten dollars. For all the people of color, and twenty if you're, you know, if you're, uh, if you're vanilla. So anyway, there's some backlash to this. Even some people that are biracial. Now, how's that? Think about that. Like Obama, you know, is he black or is he white? Now, some people think if you just got one little drop, like I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm thinking like if they said, well, we're going to do this for Africans. If you're Africans, then you you get cheap. But if you're Anybody, anybody else like, for instance, then Kamala Harris would be in a jam because she's not African, except for when uh, Willie Brown, what he deposited in her. He's African. So he she got a little of him. Uh, so he, some of his DNA. But she she not African. She come from Jamaica and India. Right. Oh, Kamala Harris. But she wanted to play all these race cards. Right. But the only black she'd got in her black African is from Willie. Oh, Willie over there the mayor, former mayor, and assembly speaker. Now, remember, I talked to you about the fact that uh, these liberals are uh, acting like ISIS. In other words, throughout history, people have depicted history for what it was. Even if you go into these caves and see the hieroglyphs, and they show people holding people in slavery and violating people and raping people and 
doing all kinds of gnarly stuff. They were just simply describing what life was at that time. Similar, similar way that we describe life on the internet right now or in newspapers, the things we used to call newspapers. And uh, we just tell what life is, good, bad, and ugly. But ISIS came in throughout the Middle East and they said, that isn't honoring to Allah, that statue. So that's got to come down, right? And th- all that, uh, all these books that talked about history, they didn't. They don't honor Allah, so we're going to burn those. And they've been doing that all over the Middle East and destroying people's, all the chronicles of history, right? They've been just trashing them, building after building after building. Now what we have is the same thing going on here, but they're not doing so much violently, but they're doing it methodically. And so in San Francisco... I guess I, I don't know. Is this? It's in one of the schools. There's an amazing uh, mural that's painted in this high school. Huge mural, and uh, the city is now. It's called the Life of George Washington. It was painted by a famous painter called named Victor Arnothoff. Ar- Arnohoff. <coughs> It's one of the foremost, he's one of the foremost muralists in San Francisco area during the Depression time. And uh, so he depicted massive in this wall and above this stairway is the life of George Washington. You know, the Hmong paint these things or they do these storyboards or they, they do quilts or they paint like their history from the time that they were in China and they got, they were fought and then they... They immigrated down south into Southeast Asia. You can see these among make them. So he was doing a depiction. Uh, it's an 83-year-old mural of, of, of the, the good, bad, and ugly about George, right? And uh, it depicts him as a soldier, a surveyor, a statesman. Uh, it's, got, it's like... 1600 square foot mural at George Washington High School. So the mural fits the high school. It's named after the first president of the United States and our commander our commander to the Revolutionary War. So it, it contains images of white pioneers standing over the body of a, a Native American and slaves. It has pictures of slaves working at Washington's Mount Vernon estate because they did. There were slaves. They were available. You worked them. They, they were looking for work. People worked them. That, that was life then. Do, do we think, oh, we don't do that now? Yeah, we don't do that now. I mean, at least it's not legal. Some people do it, but it's illegal. But the point is, now we have to denigrate and say there's nothing good about those people's lives. You know, it's kind of like I say to juvenile hall kids. I said, your parents couldn't get you what... I said, don't hate your parents. Don't go and shoot them in the head when you get a chance. Your parents couldn't give you what they didn't have. Your parents were just who they were at that time in life, at that, that decade. And they were raised by a whole different group of people who were raised by a whole different group of people in an t- entirely different generation with different values sometimes. So why go off? Just, you know, eat the chicken, spit out the bones. So uh, what they're doing here now, they voted. And it's, they're going to pay $600,000. Now, I don't know why it's costing so much to paint over this historic mural artwork. But they're paying somebody. This is how screwed up our country is and our schools are. They're paying $600,000 to cover up this beautiful mural that just basically describes history. 
It's like, what happened? They, they wrote the Declaration of Independence that was fantastic, and it's still uh, the premier document in the world for freedom and setting people free that our rights come from God, not from government. And uh, yet during the life of the colonists, some had slaves, right? And, and they were trying to live, uh, trying to sort out life next door to the Native Americans that some people call Indians, which really weren't Indians because they didn't end up in India. Indians come from India, which is over on the other side of the world. So Richard Walker, uh, a professor of geography at University of California, Berkeley, and uh, director of the History Project, Living New Deal, said the Washington mural is meant to show the uncomfortable facts about America's first president. I think that's good. We show, I think it's good when we're transparent about our past. Some of the pa- facts are uncomfortable, and the cool thing is we've moved on from there, right? So he says, for that, it was m- among many New Deal works of art considered radical when it, when it was created. It's like, oh, my God, you're actually going to put that up there on, that, on, on the wall? So he says, and I agree with him, Richard Walker, we, ought, we, ought, we on the left, he's a lefty. We on the left ought to welcome the honest portrayal, adding that destroying pieces of art is the worst way we can deal with historic malfeasance and historic evils. All of us have, I was sitting in jail the other day talking to guys and gals that had done evil. Every one of us has evil in our lives. We've done evil. Can we change? We certainly can. But like I tell them, you cannot change the past, right? You cannot. We don't have to live in the past, and we can change our perspective on what happened. Like we could say, that was wrong, what happened back there, right? We could forgive people. But to, but to go into your brain and have them take out that part of your brain that remembers the evil they did or evil that was done to them, that's pretty stupid. Now, so we have other idiots like this Mark Sanchez, vice president of the school board, that he's going to change the world by getting out some five-gallon paint and painting over this fantastic work of art. Uh, Because he said, we need a fresh start. So now, what are we going to paint it? Blue or red for communists and put a sickle up there, hammer and sickle. So uh, anyway, it's just another uh, disaster in San Francisco. Uh, he, this thing says, Victor, the, the, the painter back in the Depression, was far ahead of his time, and we have yet to catch up with him in terms of making school curriculum more inclusive and historically accurate. I think we need to make uh, school curriculum very accurate. It just depends on who's describing, who's deciding what is accurate. Like, I, I'm going to go back. I, I, I skipped over something Last week where this, you know, you've always heard, oh, Thomas Jefferson, and I'll, I'll come up with the lady's name. I got it in my other notes here next door here. Supposedly he had a slave, right, who he had sex with repeatedly and had lots of kids with, right? Is it Sarah Hemings or something like that? I'll tell you in a minute once I take a break. But anyway, it's, it's total crock of crap. And how can I say that? 
I didn't live back there. You didn't live back then. But they can actually go back and look at the DNA of all her and of all her uh, kids. They can do the genealogy on her her people today, who her people are, right? And they go right on back to her and look at the DNA. Do they have any of Tom Jefferson DNA in that lineage? They do not. Just BS that the left is dished out saying, oh, yeah, they all had slaves and Thomas Jefferson was screwing old Sarah Hemming and had all these kids and blah, 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 blah. It's just baloney. So we just got more and more crap coming from San Francisco. They've lost their minds. Uh, I'll go back and I'll finish up a little bit more on the school thing in just a minute. There's a I just got a second article uh, that I I want to I want to show you the hypocrisy it's one thing it's really sad what they're going to do if they haven't already done it but the hypocrisy that these people that it's not just hypocrisy saying one thing doing another these people are screwed up in the head folks it's a lot worse than them having a different political view uh they're like they're like they got damage from syphilis or something so uh I'm going to play you a clip here from Lou Dobbs. It's a pretty good clip. Obama legacy has become one of shame. And uh, it's uh, from a little time back, but it's still very accurate. Be right back. I think any American tonight could be uh, forgiven for being absolutely disgusted uh, with the government that is led by President Barack Obama. So I've got more than a few thoughts tonight on the administration and its record of deceit, deception, and outright lies. The State Department today did almost the unthinkable after almost eight years of never yielding to truth, denying all, and creating an overall pattern of dishonorable conduct. The Obama State Department admitted that it lied and lied throughout from its first public statement in January on Iran's release of four American hostages until the third of this month, when the Wall Street Journal broke the story of the payment of $400 million in European currencies to the Iranians and the contemporaneous release of American hostages. At the time, that very day, I said in my commentary, quote, referring to the uh, the former rear admiral uh, that's very big natured of the state department the spokesman to acknowledge that some might be forgiven for calling payment of a ransom a payment of ransom the ransom payment to iran puts any american at risk wherever the iranians have influence and reach that was on the third of august today john kirby acknowledged that yes indeed those who he had forgiven earlier happened to just be right. The payment of the $400 million in currencies to Iran was contingent on the release of those four Americans. That it was what any reasonable and honest person knew it was. It was ransom. Yet two weeks ago, the president pretended to be even hurt, aggrieved, and even the suggestion that it was ransom. We do not pay ransom for hostages. We've got a number of Americans being held all around the world. And I meet with their families. And it is heartbreaking 
But those families know that we have a policy that we don't pay ransom. They know. He was heartbroken. He lied. The Obama legacy has become one of shame. Lies have become routine in this administration. Lies are expected. It's lies about Iran are numerous. The State Department now faces a lawsuit after admitting it cut part of a 2013 video posted to its website about the secret nuclear talks with Iran. The State Department previously claimed it was just simply a glitch, but later had to confess it was deliberately edited and removed. All of this only part of what is a vast pattern in this administration, a pattern of lying, obfuscation, distortion, deceit. A House investigation last week revealing that the Obama administration manipulated military intelligence about the Islamic State. Of course, the president referred to the Islamic State as the JV team back in 2014, something he later tried to deny. He claimed he, quote, wasn't specifically referring to the Islamic State when, in fact, he was and he obviously was. In 2013, the president claimed he, quote, didn't set a red line in Syria. But, of course, he did. And here he is doing just that. A red line for us is we start seeing a whole bunch of chemical weapons moving around or being utilized. That's a red line for us and that there would be enormous consequences. Another lie. Another lie and to what, to what effect? The administration's lies about the 2012 Benghazi attack continue to this day. They would have humiliated a less coarsened group of government leaders and policy makers with the president not only still blaming an online video some two weeks after that terrorist attack, but doing so at the United Nations, bald-faced lying to the General Assembly for crying out loud. It's a crude and disgusting video sparked outrage throughout the Muslim world. There's no video that justifies an attack on an embassy. No, there isn't. And there is no justification for a president who would insinuate and imply and lie. And of course, utter disregard for truth and disrespect for the American people as our president and his advisors cynically and vigorously lied, lied and lied some more in order to pass the president's signature law, Obamacare. I intend to keep this promise. If you like your doctor, you'll be able to keep your doctor. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Mr. Obama repeated that claim for some four years. I believe this administration's legacy is already one of shame. Mr. Obama seemingly eager to lie to the American people and obviously encourage members of his administration to do so as well. And for what? Obamacare, we now know, is a disaster. It is headed toward collapse as insurance company after insurance company withdraws from the program and the premiums rise ever higher. And the member of his administration he has chosen to carry out the third term of his presidency has no higher sense of obligation to the truth or apparently to the American people. Messing around with these brother fools when I'm not, when I'm not I was going to leave that uh, 
painting over this fantastic mural, but I gotta, I gotta like finish up. There's a couple other things I gotta say about it because San Francisco has become uh, a phenomenally wealthy and wicked city. Wealthy and wicked. Uh, it's a city that brags that anything goes. Like, for instance, my friend uh, Jeff Stevens told me one day he went down there with his fa- friends from the Midwest, family friends, and wanted to show them around Fisherman's Wharf. And around the corner came a whole bunch of bicyclists, a whole big bunch. And they were all just stark naked. So they, they take pride in people having sex in the streets. Uh, the more bizarre sex, the better. And, uh, you know, first city where you could just smoke marijuana, do drugs at random and not getting any trouble, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yet they're the most intolerant city as well. Anything having to do with God, Christianity stuff is just smushed, intolerant. They're intolerant. So uh, so the, San Francisco is now in favor of, of banning the, f- the founding father, the foremost founding father of our country. At the same time, it celebrates those who aided and abetted a notorious city resident uh, who demanded that even his mother call him father. And that was a guy named Jim Jones with the People's Church in, in that city. And uh, there is an, a new book out called Cult City. Jim Jones, Harvey Milk, and 10 Days That Shook San Francisco came out last year, 2018. Uh, And uh, many bridges, uh, buildings, and boulevards in the city bear the names of those who tarnished the city by burnishing the name or polishing the name of Jim Jones. In other words, Jim Jones, uh, he got in the pocket of, of the top people in uh, the state. And uh, there's a guy named Carlton Goodlett, whose name now gives City Hall its street address. In other words, that's where City Hall is located, right? So, you know, people do a lot of things and then they, people honor them after they die, usually, or sometimes even before they die, with with naming a building after them, a roadway, a street. And uh, he claimed, uh, this this is how totally nutso people in San Francisco are. Jim Jones, you know, was the one who was very charismatic, supposedly, preaching the gospel, supposedly, had a high percentage of blacks in his church as well as whites. In other words, a mixed congregation, had a lot of foster care kids in his church. And and so he but but he did more than that. He he lent his name and got involved in the political power uh, brokering of San Francisco. So people looked to him uh, and he just kept. scratching people's back, and pretty soon he had all the politicians eating out of his hand. So Carlton Goodlett, who the city's uh, street is named after, uh, claimed that Jonestown gave people hope, right? When they were going, Jonestown was where they went in uh, Guyana, I think it was. And uh, he said it shows dreams come true and represents the wave of the future, the guy said, upon traveling to the jungle concentration camps a few months before Jones ordered the inhabitants to kill all themselves in mass. You remember, take the Kool-Aid. Two days after the carnage, Goodlatte, Dr. Goodlatte continued to run interference for his friend Jones and former patient. 
describing Jones, quote, as a man who really attempted to practice the dogmas of Christianity or the teachings. Goodlett insisted that good works of a man as well as his rascality, they are not interred with his bones. In other words, uh, his good... In other words, he did a lot of good stuff, and we ought to overlook the fact that nine, I think 900 people died. So then it goes on to say, when evidence of Jones' abuse and insanity, just amazing, the guy was insane. When, when Jones' abuse and insanity mounted, like I think he was having sex with all kinds of the people, Harvey Milk, remember Harvey, we, got, we now are forced, I think it's May 21, 22, to honor Harvey Milk every year. He, remember, he liked to screw little boys. Uh, juvenile boys. Harvey Milk used his office as supervisor to provide the cult leader credibility. Uh, Milk says, such greatness I have found at Jim Jones People's Temple, he assured Guyanese Prime Minister Forbes Burnham. Reverend Jones is widely known in the minority communities here and elsewhere as a man of the highest character who has undertaken constructive remedies for social problems which have been amazing in their scope and effectiveness. Uh, And this was Harvey Milk writing to President Jimmy Carter, urging him to intervene on behalf of the parents wanting their kidnapped son returned from Guyana. So what happened is some of their foster kids that were in that church all of a sudden, when Jim Jones said, we're moving, they just took those kids that were still connected to their parents. But in foster care, they took them to an entirely different continent. So, uh, unfortunately, the kidnapped son, the little foster son, ended up returning home in a casket. In a letter to Carter, remember these people? I remember all these people. Joseph Califano. You remember Joe Califano? He's a ca- uh, health and human services cabinet secretary and in a letter to califano harvey milk called jonestown a beautiful retirement community characterized people's temple as transforming criminals into good citizens and bizarrely called a group of imported food into its agricultural project uh i I called a group that imported food into its agricultural project until the end and counted starving individuals in its ranks as alleviating the world food crisis. San Francisco honors milk with a terminal at its airport. I didn't even know that. I didn't know. I I fly. In fact, I'm flying out of there in a few days. I didn't know that there may be a terminal with milk's name on it. What a shame. There's also a school with milk's name on it and a square all named for Harvey Milk. Now, Willie Brown, remember Willie Brown I talked about early, compared Jim Jones to Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi, holy mackerel, among others. He encouraged Fidel Castro to regard Jones' 1977 trip to Cuba as a state visit as though the cult leader's stature uh, rose to the level of a national U.S. leader. Uh, Willie says, I have worked with Jim for several years and consider, this is a letter to Castro, and consider Jones a close personal friend and highly trusted brother in the struggle for liberation. He's a brother. The western half of the Bay Bridge now goes by 
the Willie L. Brown Jr. Bridge. Whatever Brown's many accomplishments and considerable charms uh, are, he acted as enabler to the greatest villain in the city of San Francisco's history. You can add to that people like Herb Cain, some of you that used to love the the Chronicle. Herb Cain, as much as he was a good writer, was totally deceived by uh, Jim Jones. Representative uh, Phil Burton was another. Many, 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 many people. Over 900 Americans, many children, just poor people, were died at the hands of an insane guy uh, that was uh, strutting himself around as some sort of a big religious figure. Now, this is a city that seems to have the upper hand or the upper intellectual sense on scrubbing out men of stature like George Washington and yet promoting and naming buildings after Harvey Milk, a guy that liked to put his pecker in the rear end of little boys. I want you to think about that. That is a guy that we're honoring every time we fly out of the darn San Francisco airport. So they erase all the history of men and women that did heroic things like Betsy Ross. I like Betsy Ross. So Nike, uh, so in the gutter. Nike is so in the gutter. Again, I don't hate Nike. I think, hey, they're just stupid. There's some stupid people in the world, right? I see people all the time. I'll give you a, a stupid thing. You probably do it yourself. They stand at a stoplight, and you know those big big buttons now that you press when you want the light, you're letting the light know you want to walk across the street? Do you think it makes any difference if you compress the little button once or 150 times as fast as you can when you're tweaking? Now, my feeling is once will do, but there's most people are stupid. And they just press, 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 thinking they're pushing the electricity over the head and and alerting everybody to let you walk. Now that some people just are stupid. Nike uh, pulled its pulling its shoes. Charlottesville City Council voting to end a holiday honoring uh, Thomas Jefferson. And widespread contempt exhibited in a response to a patriotic parade in the nation's capital, like like Trump just did. Said, How dare he honor America? Like what other presidents have done the exact same thing. How dare we have that flag? And right behind Obama is the same flag in some of his festivities, the Betsy Ross flag. He didn't have a problem with it. All of a sudden, it's a big old problem. So the other thing that that is new, I don't know where you are on cigarettes. I don't smoke. I never have. I'm not I'm not a, a better person than other people. I just had health issues with my lungs when I was a kid. Probably because my parents were smoking a ton of smokes a day. There was nowhere we went where I didn't have second hand, third hand, fourth hand. I did everything but had the cigarette package in my stomach. Uh, so I had a lot of <clears throat> breathing problems, and uh, so. Now the city has gone on record, and now you cannot use e-cigarettes in the city. You know, vape, the vape thing. And I have friends that work in the anti-tobacco thing, and they say, oh, these these vape things are bad, and this is bad. I have some Christian friends that, yeah, heroin, you know, we're against heroin, and we're against, we're against, 
uh, suboxone and we're against this and all these things to try to, uh, you know, just give them suboxone. It just gets them off on heroin. You know, they're just really narrow, rigid, weird thinkers, uh, you know, of like, oh, well, yeah, let's just let them die in heroin addiction. Don't offer anybody any any other solution, right? Even if it's a mid, maybe it's a half step to, to correction, right? Um I just talked to a lady who was working for the school district who had, had had 12 back surgeries today. And she said how she they put her on these very strong drugs, very strong. And it, then they had to wean her off. Took them a couple of years to wean her off. Hey, she was in tremendous pain. Well, you can either take the drugs or shoot yourself in the head, put you out of pain for years. It's your choice. So anyway, San Francisco now is taking the high. Remember, they took the really high moral road with Jim Jones, and they're take, they're going to scrub old George's picture off, and they're going to they're going to take those poor Indians and slaves picture off as if it never happened. Nope. Then they could tell their kids, oh, did you kids say, do do we have slaves? I heard we had, like, we didn't get along with the Indians. No, everything was fine back then. No, don't forget about it. We don't talk about that at this house. And we don't teach about it at school either. So anyway, London Breed, what a weird name, mayor of San Francisco, signed into law a ban, 11 to 0. Damn it. No e-cigarettes. We're going to beat people up. You can shoot heroin on our subways. We'll give you the needle. You can screw anywhere you want. But e-cigarettes, down with e-cigarettes. And and we're going to obliterate you, right? It didn't say anything about many people that are getting off cigarettes onto e-cigarettes, right? It's like, no, you just got to quit cold turkey. I think that's a good way to do it. But a lot of people, they chew the gum. They take the patch. They do this. They do that, right? And so this... uh, so now you can't, so you're forbidden, people can't even order e-cigarettes. Businesses can't even have e-cigarettes shipped into the city. It's just like a prohibition. What happens in prohibition? This guy says, writes this article, says, years ago I lived in Tennessee next to a dry county. You know what a dry county is? You can't have alcohol in that county. You can't get it there. You could, you could drink it there maybe undercover. So what happens in a dry county? He said, the roadway leading into my non-dry county, since where he was, you could drink and you could buy liquor. The, the roadway leading into my non-dry county was lined with what? It was lined with liquor stores. As soon as they crossed the county line, they could load up, baby. It's like they just they got as close to that county line as possible and just loaded the trunk of that car up with bottles. Studies show that people who lived in dry places spent more money on alcohol than those living elsewhere. That means they went over there and they stocked up. They bought more than they need. They probably bought a bunch and then they never even got to drink at all because they dropped dead before they got, got down to that last case. People stocked up for months, overbought. They overstocked. It's like if, if there's a, a rumor that toilet paper's on the short, people will go buy everything off the shelf and cause their neighbor to have to use newspapers, if you know what that is. Uh, so anyway, the guy says, we all know the rotten fruits of alcohol and marijuana prohibition, right? You were thinking like using marijuana or alcohol. No, it's prohibition. And any good San Francisco progressive can give a snarky laugh at those backward rednecks who still ban alcohol sales. And so now, uh, they are the hypocrites because they're blocking the use of these, uh, e-cigarettes, 
and you may not know much about them. I'm not saying your kids ought to smoke e-cigarettes instead of cigarettes. Maybe they, they, it's sad when people need to smoke anything that's going to be goofing up their lungs. So uh, the fact is it's harm reduction. Now, the city doesn't have any problem with harm reduction by letting homeless live on the streets and paying them or giving new needles and giving them a place to shoot heroin, right? And uh, But harm reduction works with tobacco. By all means, it says smoke combustible, smoking combustible cigarettes. Smoke them if you want to shave 10 years off your already short and miserable life. United Kingdom's health agency argues that vaping is around 95% safer than smoking cigarettes. 95% safer. Is it still a problem? Yeah. So, but you could also have a problem if you're at a party and everybody's smoking and and you're going to stay there because you want to be at the party and you're just sucking in that smoke all night, right? Banning vape products means that people who are trying to kick a deadly habit are not going to easily have access to that same safe alternative, right? We're not saying that vape, but San Francisco is like, oh, yeah. Remember, San Francisco is always also the zero tolerance on waste. You know what they you know how they get the zero tolerance? They ship it up to they want to ship it to Yuba County. Remember, they almost made a deal with Recology and the local county supervisors. And uh, it wasn't till some people uh, threw a fit out here in South County by Wheatland. But that's a hypocrisy, is it? San Francisco can't manage its own garbage in recycling. So what they're going to do is just just package it up and ship it up here and to pretend like they recycled, right? That's the ridiculousness of the whole deal. Did you hear? Now, this is, again, we're going through a total meltdown in our society's in our, in our culture. So now, uh, you know, when you, like, for instance, I've owned businesses. My dad has owned businesses. Uh, and so in America, small business is the biggest employer of people, small business, not the gigantic ones. So uh, the common term for a person that invested, owns the business, bought the business, built the business, is the owner. He's the owner of the business. It does not mean he owns the people there. He's not a slave owner. But today, we, we can't have this, we can't have any reasonable, uh, logical explanations. But now the the teams, the National Basketball Association, the NBA, uh, best best basketball in the world now, They've t- eliminated the team owner. You cannot refer to a team owner as owner. So you're going to have to figure out another way because somehow in the minds of black people today, which is their mind must be really active, that somehow that term owner, they get to thinking that that guy that's the owner and hired me to play for him is thinking he owns me too, right? He owns me too. So I don't like the f- fact that I'm negotiating with the owner of me. The owner is the whole enterprise called the team, and they hire athletes, right? So they're going to now eliminate that. I, I don't see in this article what they're going to call them. I thought I read some stupid term like the governor of the team. It's just crazy. It's just totally crazy. 
it, it's just sad. Dallas Maverick, usually Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks, he's the owner. He sums up his sentiment well when he says that owner is not only appropriate, but simple simply the definitional reality of the position, according to Cuban, to try to create some connotation that owning equity in a company that you busted your ass for is the equivalent of ownership in terms of people, that's just wrong. That's just wrong in every single way. Cuban is exactly right. Uh, people own the enterprise called in, uh, a basketball organization called the Warriors or whatever, Clippers, Lakers, whatever you name. It has nothing to do with owning people. So um, we're coming into, we're finishing up our fourth segment here, and I'm going to play a little clip about Capriprick, and then we'll be right back. I need to get something to drink here. All right. of their Independence Day-themed Betsy Ross flag sneakers. You can see it right there on the screen. Because Colin Kaepernick reportedly said the flag was a, quote, offensive symbol because of its connection to an era of slavery. This, according to the Wall Street Journal. First of all, if you think the American flag is offensive, I suggest you sit down and pray in Thanksgiving for the men and women who came home draped in that flag to protect your right to speak your stupid opinion. What kind of ignorant, woke warrior tries to cancel a woman like Betsy Ross who made a name for herself in the history books at a time when women were not afforded much opportunity? All because you want a virtue signal now? Oh, that's right. The kind that donated $20,000 to a group that embodies the tradition of Asada Shakur, a convicted cop killer who murdered a New Jersey state trooper, then broke out of prison and fled the United States and now lives like a coward in communist Cuba. That is who Colin Kaepernick prefers. Step away from Betsy Ross, a founding mother of our country. Yes, our nation's original sin was slavery, but you know what? Hundreds of thousands of men fought and died to abolish the evil of slavery, and that is something to be proud of. Those men fought under this flag, the flag that represents our founding principles that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among these being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That means government didn't give us those rights, nor can government take away those rights. Government serves only to protect those rights. The problem with slavery in our nation wasn't because of the philosophy on which our government was founded or the flag Betsy Ross created. The problem was the sinful, imperfect application of a sound moral philosophy by sinful, imperfect men. But you know what? Our founding documents allowed us to restore to all people their natural, unalienable rights. Our freedom our limited government, our constitutional republic, our economic prosperity has given more people opportunity and liberty. It has freed more people from oppression than any other nation in the history of the world. That is what our flag means. And for Nike to cave to a social justice warrior 
Well, at the same time, Nike caters to the Chinese Communist Party. For Colin Kaepernick to insinuate that our red, white, and blue evokes slavery and oppression in the same nation where Kaepernick has lived a life of privilege himself, earned a college scholarship, played professional football, made millions of dollars despite the circumstances of his birth because our nation affords liberty and opportunity to everybody regardless of their status or skin color, that is the most ignorant thing I have ever heard. So maybe take a seat instead this Independence Day and reflect on our flag and thank the men and women who came home draped in that flag to protect your rights. And that's my final points. The, uh, I was talking about, before we took a break, Mark Cuban, who uh, is an amazing guy, brilliant guy, uh, who could argue with his amazing accomplishments. And yet uh, I find a lot of times his perspective, he hates Trump, for instance. I like Trump. He hates Trump. But he, uh, he says, uh, you know, his point is, that to compare the term owner of a business to owner of slaves is just totally absurd. And, you know, the fascinating thing, the NBA and the NFL are uh, should be huge examples, wonderful examples of of the strides and benefits of a free country. Where, for instance, where the issue is blacks, if you want to still connect the current blacks with the slaves of the 16th, 17th, 1800s, they have done very well. And whereas in some areas we can't hire whites because we don't have enough blacks employed, they don't employ those same uh, quota, quotients, quotas. For the NBA or the NFL or a lot of other or even the uh, uh, the baseball league, Major League Baseball, isn't that fascinating? So, in other words, they don't say, "Well, we have too many blacks." Like some teams, I think the Warriors, for instance, that I like to watch, the Warriors at one time didn't have any white players. At one time, I don't think they had one white player on that team, or they didn't start any. They were on second or third teams. So, which I don't. I think it's fine. I, you know, people are people to me, but the fact is, no. You like in the NFL, they'll say, even they won't say how many blacks. Like they don't say something positive about how many blacks are on the team. What they say is, well, the coach ain't black. We don't have enough black coaches. They're always saying, well, we don't have enough popcorn sellers that are black or janitors that are black. It's just total racism. It's just racism, racism. 
racism. Why don't we just call it what it is? It's reverse racism. What do you want to call it? It's racism. It's people being caught up in color and my group versus your group. It's just BS. Uh, so this one guy says, tying the idea of owning a sports team to past owners of human beings is a disservice uh it's a disservice done to those who actually suffered the horrors of slavery. I think that's totally true. To try to depict that a guy making $200 million in a contract is somehow suffering under, a, in other words, a millionaire basketball player is somehow suffering the, the, uh, the dregs of slavery because he's working for a billionaire owner, I think is just totally idiocy. And people that think that I belong over at Napa State Hospital, it's just totally crazy. But that's the world we live in today. So it doesn't matter which direction in the world you look. Uh, it is just crazy. Uh, it's crazy what's going on. We can't get roads patched. Uh, we, are, we, are, we endorse pedophilia. But we can't let a guy try to get off cigarettes he's been smoking for 30 years and try an e-cigarette just to dial it down a bit before he jumps completely off. It's just like, why don't we just have some freedom and let people do what they want? Holy mackerel. You know, I was reading this article the other day, and in one part of it I said, oh, so what? <clears throat> right? But in the other thing, I've seen it up close and in person. So if you look at government— and the way they budget, at the end of the budget cycle, instead of like, if, if they have money left, instead of just holding that or giving it back to the county or the city or the state or asking the state what they want to do, you're, it's the same way with a grant. You get a grant, you need to spend the grant, right? You need to spend it all. Spend it on something and tell us what you spend it on. It's the same way in government. If you don't spend all the money in your budget, the typical... Now, I know there's probably somebody that didn't, and, and uh, they got another story to tell. But generally, bureaucrats, their goal is to look at what's left in that budget they did, they've been allocated and blow that money out before the end of the year, the end of the fiscal year. So it, it leads to... And I've seen it at the local level at our local emergency response groups, because I've heard them hadn't even have any discussion. I've sit in a room where they've, they've been chit chatting about this, or we're going to buy this. We're going to buy that because we got so much money left over and we got to get rid of it. Right. They use those exact terms. We got to get rid of it by the end of the funding year, or we're going to lose it. Right. We're going to have to give it back. And then we're not going to be able to have the benefit of it. Well, instead of thinking of what's best for everybody and giving all the money back and say, you know, we just saved so much money. We just managed our stuff. We didn't wear it. We didn't wear that. We didn't break that. We didn't break as many of those as we did last year. We didn't wear as many out. We didn't have as many expenses. We didn't use so much of that as we did last year. So we're good. So take the 20000 or 50000 or 100000 back, right? But no, they don't do that. So... Um, so here's what happens. The Free Beacon, Washington Free Beacon reported, uh, there's an gr interesting website called OpenTheBooks.com. Open the books. 
And uh, the analysis released by OpenTheBooks.com found 66 agencies spent $97 billion last September, the final month of the fiscal year. That's just that's just in one month, the final month of the fiscal year of 2018. The end of the year taxpayer-funded spending spree uh, included contracts with Coors, millions on iPhones, furniture, and CrossFit equipment. In the final month of the, fis- of the fiscal year, federal agencies scramble, it says, to spend what's left in their annual budget according to Open the Books. Agencies worry, according to Open the Books, that spending less than the budget allows might prompt Congress to appropriate less money in the next fiscal year. To avoid this, federal agencies choose to embark on an annual shopping spree rather than admit they can operate on less. So you wonder, how come that I can dial it back in my budget, but but the government can't? That is the reason right there. And And bureaucrats, just like you want to build your business out there, if you have a a private business, a private enterprise, you thrive on doing more sales every year, right? Or having a bigger bottom line. In government, the, the guy that's the head of the department, he gets his strokes on growing a bigger, a bigger government, right? Bigger department, more employees, goes in and argues for a bigger budget, more employees, we can do more, we got programs we want to do, right? whether you're arguing for the health department, the public works, whatever. So the resulting government expenditures included $4.6 million on lobster tail and crab. Now, I'm sure that somebody needed some lobster tail and crab. Maybe they were entertaining the, the president of Slovenia or out of Slombodia, and he loved lobster tail and crab. But $4.6 million lobster tail and crab. They spent $673,471 on golf carts. Now, I'm sure at some of our government uh, parks, they need golf carts, right? This is in one month. One month. $1.7 million on pianos, tubas, and trombones. Now, hey, I love I love a government uh, Air Force band, <clears throat> Navy band. I've gone to them. I've, when they come to town and do concerts, I love them. They're so good musicians. My dad was a musician. I love it. But $1.7 million, I mean, how many people even use a piano anymore, for goodness sakes? I'm not against pianos. I'm just saying 1.7 million in 30 days on pianos, tubas, and trombones. Hey, nine po- at some point, you know, everybody, well, you know, uh, you know, it's it's not that big in the overall deal. At some point, if you don't save a quarter, you're never going to save a million. 9.8 million on workout and recreation equipment. Now, I, now I know firefighters and cops and their departments, they have workout equipment, right? The rest of them, I don't know. So you got all these FBI, Homeland Security. You got even people that are doing checking on food, the food investigators. They're packing weapons now. It's crazy. $7.7 million on iPads and iPhones. Why couldn't they just get a simple old cheap substitute? They had to buy an iPhone. How about this? A Wexford leather, leather club chair. 
The one chair cost $9,241. Now, somebody made a good sale on that. The government spent $293,245 on ribeye and top sirloin and flank steak. Now, my dad was a butcher, and I know what those cuts are. We used to really like ribeyes. He'd barbecue them. Man, he could barbecue. That dude could cook. And we had some fine food. So those government guys are getting a nice steak if they picked a ribeye, but 290 in the month of September. So before budgets ran out, national security agencies like the Department of Defense, the Department of State, Homeland Security, they spent 400 and these groups I just mentioned spent 412,000 on paint and artist brushes. Now you thought I was going to say uh painting big buildings. I didn't. I said paint and artist brushes. Now I know that because I bought some paint and artist brushes for, we did a paint project at Yuba County jail and I had some artists go in there to help me and they helped ladies paint these portraits. They're not portraits, but just scenes that they had. And we bought, I bought it all myself. I did not ask the government. I didn't ask Yuba County to buy a thing because they wouldn't have bought anything for me. I bought it myself, and, and I was happy I did it because it was a really fun deal. But they spent 412000 on paint. That's paint that you paint on a canvas, folks, and brushes. I don't know who's doing all these. Maybe it's one of these little parties where you drink wine and paint, paint a little picture on your copy of the picture. I don't know. Federal government spent $2.1 million on games, toys, and wheeled goods. Now, some of that may have been... On kids that were being returned to their homeland. Remember, they gave, they bought all this stuff on blessing these kids going back home. Wanted to make sure that the U.S. didn't get a black eye on sending kids back home. Like, how dare we not let every kid in the world into our country? So we bought 2.1 million of games, toys, and wheeled goods. I don't know what wheeled goods would be. Is that bicycles and tricycles? 490 million. $490 million on furniture. This is in September. $62 million on household furniture furnishings. Bureaucrats spent $1.1 million on standing desks. You know those deals? I think I need one of those. My back's all screwed up. So they go up and down. You can take a stand, then you can take a seat, either way you want, as well as $2.7 million on ergonomic chairs. That's what I need is one of them ergonomic chairs. That means it makes you feel really erg back there. Fits your back. 643000 if you want to have sex on a sofa. So some of those offices need sofas. So Billy Clinton and a lot of his pervert buddies back there. And, you know, these guys that make all the money back there in Congress, they got time to have sex with their secretaries. So they need a sofa to do that, not one of those stand-up desks. And uh, and then they, you know, I, I thought we would get beyond clocks. But, you know, I still wear a wristwatch. And some of these young people look at me and say, what is that on your arm anyway? They don't even know what it is. But they spent $40,000 on clocks. I thought, when are we going to get done with clocks? Most of the kids I know can't even tell time on where you actually have hands on, the, you know, the term hands on a clock. They could just say, can you, can, I can see your watch, but can you tell me what time that says? Remember when you learned how to tell time in school? Or you learned the Roman numerals? All that stuff is gone. Somebody told me the other day, they commented on my writing. They said, oh, you got nice handwriting. I said, I've been practicing for 70 years. 
I said, I'm getting good at it, aren't I? It's cursive. They call it cursive. They said, yeah, I never learned that. I, 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 I can't figure out how, I can't even read. They couldn't, it's one thing to not write it. When you can't read it, you're in trouble because some people are writing cursive nowadays. So nobody's running their home budget that way. But you wonder why we're screwed up. That's why we're screwed up. Hey, you know, we've been talking about, I wrote an article. You can read about it in the Territorial Dispatch.biz. Or you can look up look up our website uh, with uh, nohostagesradio.com. And you could, you could download it, print off a copy, whatever you want to do with it, or read it. But I wrote an article called Camp Popeye. And it's talking about that our, our government now is introducing chaos back into our living establishment, our cities. And so uh, on the 4th of July, just like here, there were a lot of people out on the streets shooting off fireworks, having a fun time, having barbecues, block parties, all that kind of stuff. Well, in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, a group of teenagers were you know, everybody's moving up and down the street on the way to or away from something. And they decided to go into a Walgreens and they were all fired up. I don't know whether they're under the influence or not. About 60 teens went into a Walgreens. I got a Walgreens. I could see the lights from my house uh, right across the street. And they went into a Walgreens and they trashed it. They just started knocking stuff off the shelves. They took stuff they wanted. They threw a bottle and hit one of the employees and did damage to the person. And uh, they trashed it, and through the damages and the theft, it cost Walgreens like six or $7,000. Now, that, that says a lot about people that don't have any values in life. And, uh, and it got news uh, because there were 60, about 60 kids or could be young adults, all at once. So it was a big, it was a riot. It was a mob that hit Walgreens. And, uh, but the fact is, and I wrote about this in, in an article uh, in the uh, territorial. In fact, it, it, maybe it's a different article coming out this week. I can't remember. So watch, if you listen to this, whatever article is on uh, No Hostages Radio Check that out, because I think I talk about this this issue of the uh, Walgreens issue. But the fact is, in, in, our, in our Walmart around here, and there's other businesses as well that are really high targets of people stealing. And I said, what's the difference, 60 people at one time or 60 individuals that steal from Walmart in one day? Uh, the, the, the loss in Walmart is so huge that they've even talked about, they've, they've actually cut their hours back locally here. Uh, because they can't manage at night. There's so many tweakers and they're stealing stuff, and uh, so we got a real problem. It 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 makes a difference what you believe. I met a kid in juvenile hall a few years ago. I told a story in this uh, article I wrote that I can't. I have to look up the title. Anyway, I, I told about this kid who hit up a convenience store, and uh, and I asked him in juvenile hall. I said, "How come, how come you did that?" He said, well, I've been homeless. I said, oh, it's a bummer. You've been homeless? How, don't you live with your folks? I can't get along with them. So he left his folks and didn't have any money. I said, why don't you try to get a job if you're not going to school? Uh, he said, well, I, I just I didn't get a job, and I needed money right away. So I knew they had it, right? It was over there in that store. And so, and he said this word. He said, they could, I knew they could afford it. I said, you knew they could afford it? So they owed it to you because they had more money than you? He said, yeah. That was his belief. Now, that is a mentally retarded boy right there. That's a screwed up boy in the head. So after spending a lot of time in juvenile hall and he became 18, they moved him on to a, they offered him a drug rehab versus more serious 
criminal time. And uh, but I've I've thought a lot about that 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 somehow it's that entitlement mentality that if you have more than I do, then I can just come and take what I want from you. I mean that's essentially what the government's doing, is they're taking from people that have, and they're giving it to the have-nots, uh, even if the have-nots haven't done anything worthwhile to ever earn anything. If they're just lazy and a drug addicted is screwed up in the head because of all the dope or alcohol, they just they take it by force from people that work really hard and, 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 and don't do like the federal government and waste all their money. But they actually are very cautious with their money. So the government comes in and takes one group's money and gives it to somebody else's money. So what you believe, that's why the founding fathers believed that a, a non-religious country that didn't self-discipline based upon pre-agreed notions of values like love your brother, don't steal from him, don't rip him off, don't shoot him, don't do this, don't do that, respect your parents, all that kind of stuff. They that if a if this country gets to the place where the majority of people are not buying into a religious way or a spiritual pursuit, the country will go down because there's no way that they, it's just like I, I got into it with a guy on the phone the other day. He sold me something, but they didn't send it and it didn't get here. And, he, and then they've been jacking me around, right? I said, hey, I'm not going to do business with you because you broke trust with me and you lied to me, right? So once you start, you can't trust anybody, you're not going to front them any money, right? And pretty soon it, it becomes like a drug deal. You give me the drugs first, then I'll give you the money. No, you give me the money first, then I'll give you the drugs, right? So in our, our country, what is undergirded the free enterprise and capitalist way that has been so successful is there's been an honor. You remember the concept, My his word is his bond. Today, that is so screwed up that even if you have a 45-page contract, and everybody agrees to it, that can even be broken in court if you have a good enough attorney. In other words, you can get out of pretty much anything. Not only is your word no good, your pen is no good either. So we're going to come right back. Um, I wanna, I'm going to remind you of how stupid and how arrogant and how prideful the, uh, the media was going into Trump's election. I, I, I enjoy watching this over and over and over, and I thought I'd just throw this in for fun for you. All right, be right back. A lot of people have no idea that Trump is headed for a historic defeat. That's why I think the larger the defeat, in a sense, the healthier it will be for the Republican Party, at least if it doesn't bring exactly. Paul Ryan's speakership down with him and there's a kind of healthy divided government, because it might be a wake-up call to those Republicans who have existed in this little thought bubble of their own that uh, this isn't a winning form of politics. Um, then this election, uh, not only does Florida fall to Hillary Clinton, but this election overall, um, a 
could, you know, we, we could be talking landslide. And so um, Hillary Clinton today is more likely to win in a landslide that would not only have an impact on this race, but realign the country politically to some extent that Donald Trump is to win narrowly or at all. It is. I mean, let's say it is a four point margin that would translate to an electoral majority and probably electoral landslide for Hillary Clinton. Say margin of error, they mean margin of error. This could be tight. Or it could be a landslide for Hillary. Okay, so everybody is saying, most analysts are saying that Hillary Clinton's going to win in a landslide and that Ohio won't much matter this time around. Do you you know, it, 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 this collapse of support among women that you talked about in Senator, if that spreads among women voters all across the country, he's going to lose by a landslide and, and they could lose the Senate and the House. GOP officials now fear that if Donald Trump loses by a landslide, he could take down their congressional majorities with him. Not only am I concerned about the presidential race, I'm concerned about what the impact on down ballot races, including being overly uh, the cautious just because I'm trying to be a little risk averse in my predictions. But I think that she's going to have a very good night. So tomorrow. the technical term for that, if mm. she's anywhere near your prediction, would be blowout. Mm, I give a landslide. I don't know. I would, say, I would say a landslide. I would say a landslide. My bad. That's, that's a show acting, actually. That's a show yeah. acting. Again, intellectuals in society, there is a spontaneous demand from the larger society for the end products of engineering, medical, and scientific professions, but the demand for public intellectuals is largely manufactured by the public intellectuals themselves. Yes. Explain that. How do they manufacture demand for their own services? Well, they, they, one, one thing is by uh, making, making alarming predictions, uh, offering uh, solutions to our problems. Uh, and if they didn't do that, if, if Noam Chomsky had just kept on stating in linguistics, neither of us probably would have ever heard of Noam Chomsky. He would have been just as famous around the world among linguists, but w nobody else would have heard of him. What do you make of global warming? Uh, I think it's a classic example of the uh, need for crusades. Now, people, many people are shocked by these emails. I'm not at all shocked by them. I read, I read the original UN study years ago, and I was just curious as to how they were going to deal with the question that the uh, temperatures went up first, and then there was the increase in carbon, carbon dioxide. Right. Because you can't say that A causes B uh, uh, if B happened first. And so I read this, and I could see they were, they were tiptoeing through the tulips and the way they phrased things and so forth. They, they couldn't confront that. And, and now we're finding out uh, that they, they knew darn well they couldn't deal with all the evidence. So it fits the pattern of a group of intellectuals, science, climate scientists, mm -hmm. who are, have a very narrow competency, suddenly proclaiming that there's a crisis, mm -hmm. scaring the rest of us, thereby creating a demand for their services, yes. not as... Science, climate scientists alone, mm -hmm. but as a kind of high priestly caste that can tell us all how to live and save the entire yes. planet, and in the meantime, generate billions of dollars worth of government programs to fund their research initiatives. And so, so are you? It's a racket. Yes. All right. But but again, you have to t take account of the ability of human beings to rationalize. Uh, I'm sure there are scientists out there who who, who believe some or much of what they're saying. And there are other scientists who believe the opposite. But, they, but the ones who are pushing global warming are doing their damnedest to make sure that those who believe the opposite don't get heard in the public. So wouldn't there, shouldn't there be a, some large-ish body of climate scientists who say the data really does suggest that we're headed into trouble here, but precisely because 
my saying so as a climate scientist will look like special pleading. I, we as a community of scientists should be even more careful about being completely transparent, pushing the data out to the public. They should overcome the hurdle that it looks like self-pleading. Why, why, why isn't that taking place? There's no payoff to that. All right. Uh, imagine yourself as an assistant professor in some department where, the, uh, where your senior colleagues who are going to vote on your pay, among other things, uh, have millions of dollars in grants handed out to promote global warming, and you say just what, what you just now said. And they all say, this guy is incorrigible. Here we go. We're going on our last uh, segment today. And uh, I want, I got a lot to talk about, but I have another, actually, I'm going to do another show here uh, ahead of time. I'm heading out for, uh, on the day this plays, I'm, I'll be on my way to Vietnam for a week or two, or two weeks. And so we're going to do a show a little ahead of time that'll, that'll uh, air on, uh, July 20. So I'll carry over some of the stuff I have, but I wanted to cover this now. Uh, I wrote some about this in the Territorial Dispatch about Burgess Owens. I'd forgotten Burgess Owens. I remember watching him play football because I, I've been a 49er fan and an Oakland Raiders fan when, when uh, they, were, uh, they weren't even a part of the NFL when I started to watch the Oakland Raiders. But Burgess Owens was a, uh, I think he's a uh, Hall of Famer. And former NFL star uh, for the Oakland Raiders. <clears throat> and uh, he, during this reparations fiasco committee meeting in Washington run by the Democrats, uh, he came and spoke. And uh, I'm going to quote him, and then I'm going to get into some facts about slavery that many people are just confused about. So Burgess Owens uh, said, I used to be a Democrat until I, I did my history. In other words, did his research and found out that, that the misery that that party, I mean the Democrat Party, brought to my race. He added, I do believe in restitution. Let's point to the party that was part of slavery, the KKK, Jim Crow laws, that has killed over 40% of our black babies. He's talking about abortion. 20 million of them, actually. State of California, in the state of California, he says 75% of our black boys cannot pass standard reading and writing tests. That's a Democrat state, he said. Let's pay reparation, he said. Let's pay restitution. How about the Democrat Party pay for all the misery brought to my race? Now, when you see Burgess Owens, you could Google his picture. He's a good-looking guy. I believe he's 67 years of age. Uh, he's in good health, and he's black. So, however, even though Burgess figured it out, our government, our government schools are so pitiful that the hard facts of history have been buried uh, by members of the Democratic Party, which is represented, heavily represented by teachers unions, right? 
uh, and the Democrat Party considers themselves the party of race. In other words, the party that is more conducive, kind, considerate, welcoming of ethnicities. And so uh, if you go to the Democrat National Committee site, you will not find these facts on this site. Now, there's a, a very good writer. Uh, oh, where's his name now? Uh, Jeffrey Lloyd, named Jeffrey Lloyd. He writes a lot for the American Spectator, but for others as well. And he did this research. So it's not my research, but I know Jeffrey Lloyd, and the guy is, he's a stickler for details. So I'm going to go through this, and you can, if you want to make notes, you can. But you're not going to find this all in one place very often. But I'm going to give you the history of racism of the Democrat Party. Lloyd says there is no reference in the website to the number of Democrat Party platforms supporting slavery. However, there were six of them from 1840 to 1860. He says there were no reference to the number of Democrat presidents who owned slaves. He said there were seven from 1800 to 1861. There were no reference to the number of Democrat Party platforms that either supported segregation outright or were silent on the subject. There were actually 20 of them, he said, from 1868 through 1948. There's no reference on the website to Jim Crow laws that was laws restrictive to blacks, nor is there any re reference to ro the role black uh, Democrats played in creating them. There were the post-Civil War laws passed enthusiastically by Democrats in that pesky 52-year period of the DNC's missing years. These laws segregated public schools, public transportation. They segregated restaurants, uh, restrooms, and public places in general. Uh, everything from water coolers to beaches. The reasons Rosa Parks became famous is that she sat in the whites-only front section of the bus, the whites-only designation created by the Democrats. Is that crazy or what? So all these segregation laws, rules, were passed by Democrats. He says, there, Lloyd says, there's no reference to the formation of the Ku Klux Klan on the website, which according to Columbia University professor Eric Fono, F-O-N-E-R, Foner, became a military force serving the interests of the Democratic Party. Nor is there a reference to the University of North Carolina historian Alan Trelease's description of the Klan as the terrorist arm of the Democratic Party. There is no reference to the fact that Democrats opposed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment to the Constitution. The 13th banned slavery. The 14th effectively overturned the infamous Dred Scott decision made by Democrat pro-slavery Supreme Court justices, saying that a black could be bought and sold and he wasn't human. Uh, and uh, the 15th gave black Americans the right to vote. There's no reference on the website that, that Democrats opposed the Civil Rights Act of 1866. It was passed by Republican Congress over the veto of President Andrew Johnson, who had been a Democrat before later joining Lincoln's ticket in 1864. The law was designed to provide blacks with the right to own property, sign contracts, sue, and serve as a witness in legal proceedings. 
There is no reference on the website to the Democrats' opposition to the Civil Rights Act of 1875. There was another Civil Rights Act, you see, 1866, 1875. This act was passed by a Republican Congress and signed into law by President Ulysses Grant. The law prohibited racial discrimination in public places and public accommodations. There's still no reference to the Democrats' 1904 platform, which devotes a section to sectional and racial agitation, claiming the GOP's protests against segregation and the denial of voting rights to blacks sought to revive the dead and hateful race and sexual animosities. In other words, they said the, the Republicans, the conservatives wanting to stop segregation and give voting rights was going to stir up more problems amongst the races, they called them. So... There's no reference to four Democratic platforms from 1908 to 1920 that are silent on blacks, blacks, segregation, lynching and voting rights as racial problems in this country. Lynching. They had a problem with the lynch. They, they thought we're OK with the lynching. By contrast, the GOP platforms of all those years specifically address rights of the Negro. 1908, opposed lynching. 1912, 1920, 1924, 1928. And as the New Deal kicks in, speaks out about the dangers of making blacks wards of the state. There's no reference on the website of the Democrats of 1924 known to history as the Klan Bake. This is so incredible. You need to look this up. Klan Bake. Not clam like a, the sea creature. Clan, K-L-N-A-N. The 103 ballot convention was held in Man- Madison Square Garden. Hundreds of delegates were members of the Ku Klux Klan. The Klan is so powerful at that time that a plank condemning Klan violence was defeated right away. To celebrate that defeat, the Klan staged a rally with 10,000. Now, I want you to think about this. That's almost the population of Marysville. 10,000 hooded Klansmen in a field in New Jersey directly across the Hudson from the site of the convention. Attended by hundreds of cheering convention delegates, the rally featured burning crosses and calls for violence against African Americans and Catholics. There's no reference to the fact that it was, a Demo- it was Democrats who segregated the federal government and the military, might I say. That includes the military. At the direct at the direction of President Woodrow Wilson, who was a racist, upon taking office in 1913. There's a reference to the fact that President Harry Truman, uh, there's a, a, a reference on the site, the Democrat site, to the fact that Truman integrated the military after World War II. There, there is reference to the fact that Democrats created the Federal Reserve Board, passed child welfare laws, created Social Security, and Wilson's New Freedom and FDR's New Deal. But they don't mention that these programs were created as a result of an agreement to ignore segregation and the lynching of blacks. In other words, the, the Southern representatives would go along with those programs as long as they could still lynch blacks and segregate them. I want you to think about that. Neither is there reference to the thousands of local officials, state legislators, governors, 
U.S. congressmen, U.S. senators who were elected as supporters of slavery and then segregation in 1800 and 19, between 1800 and 1965, 165 years. Hundreds of Democrat representatives being in, in, uh, in favor of slavery, segregation, lynching. Nor is there reference to the deal uh, with the devil that left segregation and lynching as a way of life. In other words, they did not want to give up segregation or the opportunity to straight up hang a black person and kill them. And uh, pretty, pretty gnarly stuff. I'm not done. Uh, we just got a few minutes left, but I'm going to finish this because I'm going to keep talking about this till I drop dead or people finally get it that it's the Democrats who are the racists in this country. There's no reference on the website of the Democratic National Convention that three-fourths of the opposition to the 1964 Civil Rights Bill in the U.S. House came from Democrats, or that 80% of the nay or the negative vote in the Senate came from Democrats. Certainly, there's no reference to the fact that the opposition included future Democrat Senate leader Robert Byrd, former Ku Klux Klanman uh, and a, a leader in the Klan, and a friend of, by the way, a very good friend of Hillary Clinton's. Uh, and Tennessee, Albert Gore, Senator Albert Gore, the senior of, of the current Al Gore, Mr. Climate Change. Uh, these people were uh, racist people. Last but certainly not least, there is no reference to the fact that Birmingham, Alabama, Public Safety Commissioner Bull Connor, who infamously unleashed dogs and fire hoses on civil rights protesters, was in fact, yes, indeed, a member of both the Democrat National Committee and the Ku Klux Klan. Nobody talking about that these days. So um, what we have here is there is no evidence that the uh, Democratic Party ever has done a thing for black people and, unless they'd enslave them where they, they had them work for nothing or they paid them to work for nothing and not be not amount to anything. It is is, is tragedy. They're liars. They're deceivers. And uh, that's just that's what we're dealing with. So uh, I want to mention a couple people that uh, kind of run run to this show to the end and not mention some of the people that have supported us. So let me just say about Elite Universal Security, uh, they're operating up and down Northern California. They're saving my bacon in my neighborhood by running down people that are harassing people, drug stoned out crazies, starting fires. Uh, if you need them, if you need some help uh, up and down the valley here, Butte County, Shasta, Sutter, Yuba, uh, they're already working, clearing up into Oregon, I think. You can dial them up at 530-749-0280. Uh, you can also go to work for them. They're looking for, they got Current openings everywhere, Butte County, Lathrop, California, Sacramento County, Yuba Sutter areas. Uh, you can go there and uh, you can get classes from them. They have some classes coming up at the end of July, the 26th and 27th, where you can get your uh, concealed weapon permit or you can renew your license. You can catch a taser uh, you can catch taser and pepper spray classes. They got classes on everything to do with becoming a security guard. They can do live scans. They can do mobile notary service. They're great people, and they help us here. The other 
per person. Dave Greenitz, Dave Greenitz Construction. I saw him the other night, or, or maybe it was at a barbecue. We had a big 4th of July barbecue. He says, I don't know whether I can take any more advertising. I'm too busy now. I got people running out my ears. So he's now being very selective on who he takes. So if you call, don't be rude to him on the phone. Be really nice to him and be really kind, right? He's like the soup Nazi. Remember the soup Nazi with Seinfeld? No soup for you. So he could say, no, you know, if you, you set him off. He, he might say, even though you see all these beautiful kitchens on his Facebook site and go to his construction website, greenitzconstruction.com, green with E-T-Z, and you see, whoa, I want that guy. I'll, you know, it's the best soup in town. It's the best bathroom in town. It's the best kitchen in town. They do the best work. Just take it from me. I've seen their work up close. And uh, you can check his website or his Facebook site out, And uh, but be nice to him and be real easy to get along with. And he might even take your project on and squeeze it in. But he said, oh, he said, we're incredibly busy, Lou. So I'm not going to take all the credit for it because I'm only in my uh, 15th session here on the podcast. And I did about 300 so sessions on the radio. But we thank David for uh, and his, his construction team for supporting us here. Also, I mentioned the plumbing doctor, Ted Holmes. They just got back from Cuba building a church over there you can if you've got plumbing needs you can dial him up at 530-671-9111 i don't know that i gave greenitz's number 530-682-9602 682-9602 yeah his friend tim farley the other night got on me said all you do is talk about dave greenitz well i just you know he helps me and uh and uh, he's he does a good job. So uh, anyway, one of these days he's going to tell me I'm not going to advertise anymore because I got more business. I can't even I can't even do the business I have. So the other person I I thought I'd mention to you is a person I met here about six eight months ago. I met her family and and uh, so the family does a variety of things. But one of the things is a, the daughter Stephanie uh, is a highly trained horse person and is certified. And working with people uh, in, a, in a variety of situations from people that have dis- disabilities, children, uh, troubled people trying to, to overcome difficulties in their life. So she has a horse operation out here in Yuba City. That's Sutter County. And I think it's off Franklin Road. And I don't have the address for you, but probably you want to dial her up or you can look at her website. You could call her at 707-350-2999. That's 707-350-2999. And uh, her, her website, I believe, is ycstables.com. Pretty simple, right? And it's YC doesn't stand for Yuba City. It, it, it stands for youthful courage. So she's really into building esteem and confidence and strength. And they do a lot of therapy. They have a therapy writing center. And uh, plus they teach, they just teach general lessons, right? And uh, so she's done work all over the Western states. So give her, if, you're, if you have some, your child has some free time, this summer and you want to not only teach them to swim but uh have them the uh give them the experience of learning how to the skill of riding a horse and it may really give them some confidence i know some of my friends have gotten their kids involved in uh, judo and boxing and weightlifting trying to just encourage them to get strong healthy 
and have a healthy outlook on life and get them away from all the technology and get them out enjoying life. In fact, I, at the barbecue the other day, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, there were about five, 600 people there, it seemed like. And one of the older guys there, my age, said to me, said, did you know something unusual about today? I said, I don't know. There's a lot of people here. That was what stood out to me. And he said, oh, no. He said, nobody's looking at their cell phones. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because people are having a lot of fun. There were like water events. There were zip lines. Uh, there was, you know, just a lot of fun, a lot of things to do, a dunk, dunk tank. And uh, and so a lot of people were serving. A lot of people were, oh, there are a couple of volleyball games going. So people are having fun, and they were interacting with one another, which is a lot healthier than looking at social media how how twisted when all you can do is look at social media what a what a bummer so uh, anyway uh if you can check out if you need your house remodeled actually if you either need i'll tell you you might need to make your house cooler dave greenish does these whole house fans that uh can suck the hot air out cheaply and you don't have to run that big funky air conditioner that just causes your meter just like like almost hum sucking the money out of your pocket and also uh, ted holmes with uh the plumbing doctor they they re uh, put in new toilets on my place and save me lots of water come on because water is like liquid gold over here in marysville so uh that's it for us this week and so if you run into somebody that you don't know this week Make sure you be kind to them, reach out to them, love them, because the Bible says they may be an angel, and you may not be aware of it. So be, be cool. You'd get good marks if you were kind to an angel. So thanks for listening, and uh, we will catch you later. All the representatives of Illinois law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ball.